It's the final countdown. Big dirty. Hey, we're back again, <laughs> folks. Yo, you get it? Nice. Nice a fly in here or something. You got? Oh no, it's above you, but it's okay. We're gonna leave it alone. I think it's been chasing but, uh, it all day. I swear. I tried to find it in the <laughs> bathroom earlier. So I was literally. I swear. I was brushing my teeth. I was like, "You motherfucker! <laughs> if you get near this crest toothpaste, That's I right. swear I will carbonate your ass with the crest. I will carbonate <laughs> that crest on your ass, fly." Ugh. Oh man, fly got away though. Fly did get away, unfortunately. <laughs> Actually, probably fortunately for him, he got away. Let's hope he doesn't come back around, because all I'm going to see over to my right is Jay swatting at it the rest of the whole time right over here. Fly, baby, yeah. <laughs> By the he way, He doesn't let anything go, ever, <laughs> ever. No, I'm literally like, I mean, I don't think I'm like OCD, but it's like I have to finish that. So that minute that fly started some shit, you're going to start some bitch beef talking, man? It's over. Oh, man. He's already in tag. Talk about right over. You know what? We're, we're closing in on the uh, end of our Game of Thrones Game arc, man. over. Yeah. yeah it's. Uh, yeah. You know what's funny is in the beginning we were like, yeah, we'll be there in eight episodes. Jeez. What's it been now? I did like 17 or something. <laughs> and I got to say this about this season too, because we really brought this to each other's attention. <laughs> so I was actually up on vacation visiting some family and I'm like, yeah, you know, we'll knock season eight out and probably <laughs> one, two episodes. I'll be really quick. Right. But you have 24 pages of notes on this bad boy. Yeah. So straight up. And the funny thing is guys, what you have to understand um, Chase is the one that kind of runs off on a lot of stuff and like goes forever. So when when he tells me like we're gonna oh yeah it's gonna be ready to go on this season because there's gonna be a lot of notes half the time I'm like okay whatever like it's not gonna be that bad. Although you were right about season six, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, so outside of that, so when he says that I'm just like whatever because I'm always like dude it's important to be efficient. We just gotta talk about what's like current and relevant to these episodes in this season. And so I, this is one of the few times where I did the notes before him because like he said he was going to visit family up in Georgia. So I, I, did, I did him over two days, and I, I called him. I, at first, I texted him, and then I was like, bro, I was like, if you've got a couple seconds, give me a call because like, you're, you're, you're not going to believe this. And what did so, I tell you? I was like, I'm out to you with the family. You can call me, yeah. <laughs> call me later or yeah. something. And so. Josh like, never calls like, hey, dude, like, I, I need you to call me right now. So, anyways, he, he hits up on FaceTime. I'm on my balcony and porch. I've got my, my thing of notes here that you guys always see me hold, right? So, I was like, bro, like, you're not going to believe this. I've got 24 pages of notes. He's like, what? And I was like, yeah. And he knows that, like, if I'm the one saying that, like, you only know what he's going to be going through, how long he's going to take it. So, you, do you want to show him the, the two that you have? Do you want to pick them both up? like... <laughs> This. <laughs> so I didn't think it was possible. <laughs> like, I did not think it was possible. I walked out. So usually, you know, like, my notes are really extensive. So mm -hmm. I'll walk out with a half a notebook. Season six, one full notebook. Yeah. I have two notebooks front and back. <laughs> and I think part of that is, too. So let's... Don't get me wrong. I mean, I know both of us weren't exactly a fan of how the show ended, but I think when we all were waiting for so long for this season, we all got let down at certain things and it skewed our perspectives on picking up a lot of the detail in the season. Because I had a totally different view mm -hmm. the second time I watched it. 
So something similar to that is like my opinion on it. Like I don't, I don't know that it changed my opinion on the season as a whole. Um, you know, because I still like the the same issues and questions I had the first time around are still the same ones I have now. Like none none, none of that changed. But I will say uh, that I feel now that we did it detailed, like it's easier to swallow for me. Like 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 how it all happened. I'm like okay. Like listen, it, like, there's no changing and there's no going back on it. It's actually, you know, it's probably like a high-level C, low-level B rating now that I've gone through it again, in my own opinion. Because before, dude, I gave that thing like an F. I was so mad. I think, like, because you said, the big layoff over a year, we all had such high expectations. Like, oh my goodness, they're going to tie everything together. Because obviously, we've had some issues with Season 7, how, you know, we'll talk about some of the stuff again, like the the transmission between right. Dragonstone and, and the wall, like how that was like an instantaneous thing. But like for the most part, it was still really, really cool. Like everything, like all the seasons, there was no like bad season of Game of Thrones. And so yeah, we're like, dude, there's never been a so, bad season. So what we're thinking, at least myself, I'm like, well, at the very least, like it's going to be a good season. Mm-hmm. And when I got let down for everything that I was expecting to be answered and all like the plot holes to be covered and everything, you know, in my head, what I thought was going to happen uh, or should have happened in terms of those things when they didn't happen, I was like, dude, screw it. So I didn't, I haven't even watched season eight since it came out last year. Mm-hmm. It's my first time doing it. And like right. you said, going through it all over again, I do think, uh, I, I appreciate it a little bit more still not my favorite, uh, <laughs> how, how it ends. <laughs> but, um, I, I do, I appreciate it a little bit more. My kind of challenge to all our listeners out there and all the ones watching us uh, that stream us, you know, we hear all the time, you know, season eight sucked. Season eight was awful. Do what me and Josh did because I guarantee you, and you can comment on our Instagram, comment on our YouTube, comment everywhere you want. You can go right on our website if you wanted to and leave a comment. I challenge you to watch it again and watch it in the detail me and Josh did because I got to say, especially some of the iconic full circle moments, there's no other season that has some of the iconic moments where you're like, oh shit, like this really related back to something far before, which actually will lead us into even where we're going to start off today. Yeah. um, Yeah. to, To that point as well. I do think, you know, as the last season, you have to have those, like, full circle things. But maybe some people didn't miss a lot of them, just expecting, like, crazy things to happen. You know, from a from a show that gave us the Red Wedding, like, I mean, we needed one big, one more big moment where, yeah. like, we... just the, My biggest issue with season eight is that it was predictable. It was very, very predictable, like, from start to finish. And that was my biggest issue. Like, I wanted to be... I wanted to be leaving that series, like, what the fuck did I just watch? But instead, I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, so, but... To your point, um, and even before we kind of get into where we left off last week, uh, you know, we got some exciting numbers news, man. So talk to a little bit about that because you're, you're the chartable guy. <laughs> <laughs> the chartable guy. Yeah. 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 Which is funny because when I found this out and Josh and I had sent the email on this, we check our email, but probably not as often as we should. Probably, so yeah, yeah <laughs> good, good being call. real, like we're real people, um, people helping people. Um, I got back from Georgia and... I just was like, you know, I'll check the inbox, see how it goes. Well, yeah, uh, thanks to you guys, we hit number 49 in the United States for fiction. 
And then globally, we hit number 55 for fiction, which is still a really big deal, especially saying we just got started in January. Yep. Yeah. So um, that's all thanks to you guys. You know, we go up every week. I mean, like me and Josh were saying, the numbers we expected to hit, honestly, we could triple that (laughs) by the end of the year. Because, guys, the the funny part is this. We kind of started going in this direction when we started here today. But, like, the whole point of us telling you about uh, the notes and how much season eight is going to be is because it's going to be a couple of podcast episodes yeah, to get through exactly. season eight. So we were so. thinking, yeah, one or two, but realistically, it's looking like four or five, really. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's a it's a lot of detail. So I yeah. encourage you guys to go back in and look at it and listen to what's great about our podcast. You can watch the episode. And then listen to us and you'll see that detail just by listening to us where you can go back and look and be like, oh, wow, I didn't even catch that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing Josh has me even do now is actually I watch it in captions now, which I hate captions. I'm not a captions person. I love I love subtitles. I watch everything in subtitles, even just for casual. <laughs> but I mean, you catch so much more mm-hmm. because there's so many different things. I was like, oh, I didn't even know they said that like this related back to somewhere else so uh bear with us on this it's it's gonna be a badass yeah it is badass arc we, we're about to we do we broke that down heavy and like we said we both got tons of notes and yeah well one more thing before we jump in and, and and get to it uh we are live up and running on twitter uh we've got uh yeah rp factor fantasy that's our at for twitter and we also have made a linkedin account you can find us on linkedin at uh, Ridiculous Patronus on there as well. So it, yeah. that, that lists uh, on LinkedIn what it has. It has all of uh, the links for people to connect with us to where we are on all platforms. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's those are two big things that we promised were coming, and now they are here. Yeah, I got to say to uh, me and Josh, were, Josh and I were, Josh and I, we were talking about this earlier. It, you know, we've been on this arc so long since January it's weird because when we take notes we watch the whole season at once um just so we have everything there so we have every perspective for you guys it's gonna be weird when we're officially done with the game of thrones and we don't pick it back up until 2022 because house of dragon whenever yeah whenever that comes out right yeah so that's uh, hey it's been one hell of a ride but until then i mean we still got we, we still, still got, got like a, to get through, man. <laughs> we still got a good uh, good run here for you. So yeah, yeah. Why don't, without, you want to go ahead and get us started? Without further ado, what we all came here for? <laughs> let's put it out there. So uh, we already left off on the season seven conclusion for Game of Thrones last week. Uh, we find out exactly who Jon Snow is. Uh, yeah, it's funny because we're gonna talk a lot about that here in season eight. Um, but yes. So Jon Snow, as of now, does not know who he is, but Bran and Sam were able to put together uh, Jon's, uh, his lineage. So for those of you who are catching up, haven't listened to season seven yet, uh, you know, unless you're born under a rock, everyone knew this who were Game of Thrones fans, but Jon Snow is actually Aegon Targaryen. He's the uh, true-born son because Rhaegar and uh, Lyanna were married in secret. So he's not a bastard, he's the heir to the Iron Throne. That's uh, that's where we left off with um, him there. And also the last thing that we see as we fade out of season seven, as that concludes, is the Night King riding the ice dragon, Viserion, and blowing down the wall. And you're seeing like Tormund and people in the uh, East Watch falling down. And, like, you know, so you don't know who lives and who dies there. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, 
the wall is broken and the dead may now pass. And building it up to break it down. Boom. <laughs> oh, sick. So, Big dirty. Oh, yeah. I mean, at this point, the dead. Oh, you know what we haven't done yet? What we haven't Get done a little yet. malice in the chalice, baby. Alrighty. It wouldn't be a Cheers. Chase and Josh without the Mally in the chally. <laughs> mm. Get your fuck on. Get, yeah. yeah. Nice little margarita. By the way, I do want to bring this up. Uh-huh. Whatever happened, we saw, we talked about how we had Alaria and Tien. That was in that shit. Tien? I always say TNA. TNA. <laughs> it's like from Dragon Ball Z. Like, yeah, Tien. Yeah. That's why. I, 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 that's yeah, why. Yeah, so. In that chamber where I get it, like she was going to die. But that's it. Like you don't ever know anything about that. Yeah. Anything. Even when they go to King's Landing later on, nothing. 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 Nope. We don't get a we don't get a uh, look at the corpses so. or when dying. So, <laughs> which is pretty messed up. Let me see your corpse. Yeah, right. <laughs> make sure you're dead. All she like because like how gross it is because how they were gonna force Solari to watch her die and like her like as you body decomposes it like melts off the face. Which, I do want to say this. Wouldn't that be a sick scene? You know when Danny goes to King's Landing later with John. Um, no spoilers alert, but. Wouldn't that have been awesome if there was, like, which I get they kind of couldn't do this then, but wouldn't that be awesome if there was, like, a rescue moment where they, like, got them out of there or they at least found them there or something? Yeah, well, at least we know Tayama's going to die because uh, even, like, one yeah, day, like, poison. within hours, yeah, like, that poison yeah, takes but all, so. are, yeah, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, just what? some answer, something. Like, I found I think it just le- it just leaves us to be like, hey, you know what? She just went. Away. the dario <laughs> deal by yeah. the way i was uh kind of looking because <laughs> you know i'm a big dario naharis guy uh-huh. just like my boy oberon which they're way in the past but you know i gotta bring him up at some point uh <laughs> which i always do dario i was watching like reading an interview on him and he said he kept waiting to get a call about season eight to see if he could get brought back on for like the final you know big battle that we have and he said he just never got anything <laughs> like that's it man have a good life <laughs> could you imagine that you put all your all your time especially for the one that was the new guy for like two seasons and you're like yeah man like you know i'm sure i'll make some sort of cameo nope have a good day <laughs> yeah have a good day oh well well okay so we Let's... get started we get a little bit of a full circle moments here yeah exactly so let's start up with uh season eight episode one uh yeah you know honestly before we even see the first scene if you go back and if you, how, how the way they did this was amazing, how they basically summarized everything that's happened in Game of Thrones up to season eight, that title sequence right before it hits um, the the intro, yeah. it got me super super hyped. Like I was like, oh man, like I, I got super hyped for season eight all over, mm-hmm. and only to get let down, right? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. but like still, yeah. like it was super cool to like. You see all like what I said. Like, don't skip this introduction. If you go back and watch it, don't skip this introduction. Watch like the map. Like, the not not even just the map, but the well previously on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, the, that, that that too. Like that gets you so hyped. And yes, and then after that, the actual title sequence, how they did everything the differently. Wall. The wall broken down, and like how the ice goes where like mm-hmm. the, the army of the dead like go through. So a lot of people um, miss that too, because I know a lot of people <clears throat> that actually skip through the intro. Mm. The intro is so cool because it updates as the season changes. Yeah. It was really, really so. cool to see. And, like, they, they, they had new imagery, too. It didn't look the same. Like, it was more modern than it was yeah. like when it looked. Mm-hmm. So everything was new about it, and it was pretty cool. So, 
they had, they did a great job getting me riled up for it, but <laughs> couldn't but couldn't follow through, right? But we got uh, you can get riled up for our podcast because we got some badass yeah, detail here. Mm-hmm. Nailed it, <laughs> nailed it. So now the the part you're talking about, full circle, guys. We'll get it started for you. Uh, we get a nod to Young Brand. If you remember back in episode one, uh, from season one, when uh, Robert Baratheon and uh, the, the the people from King's Landing were going up to see uh, Ned Stark at Winterfell, Bran was like like perched up there and he's running along like the ramparts of the towers and climbing up trees and stuff. And like uh, we got something that was very very similar. We had a young boy who was trying to see Jon Snow and Daenerys coming through. T- to uh, Winterfell, and he couldn't see, so he does the same sort of deal, very same like size, same hairstyle. Uh, it was just a cool full circle moment where he runs up the the like, ramparts in the tree. He goes all the way at the top yeah. there and you can see him. So even to the point of remember in season one in the episode one when Rob walks comes in on the horse, that's basically what Danny and John were doing. Mm-hmm. Or even to the point of Arya was almost standing in the same spot she was standing in. And when Gendry comes in and kind of smiles at her. Oh, if you say Gendry one more time, I'm going to smack <laughs> Gendry. I always say My Gendry. Goodness. He's been killing me on that all week. Gendry, <laughs> Gendry. Because he writes it like Gendry. It's a big G. You won't call him <laughs> Jarrett. It's Garrett. Gendry. Gender. <laughs> Gendry. When Gendry comes in, remember in season one, episode one, when Joffrey comes in and looks at Sansa? Well, Gendry, Gendry, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gendry comes in and looks at Sanda, Sansa, Sanda, Sandstorm. <laughs> looks at Sans, no, looks at Arya. God, killing Someone it here today. Someone get this guy. <laughs> You're cut off, bro. Get this guy. No more malice thing, in the chalice no more for you, bro. <laughs> no, I think I might help it. Malice in the chalice, baby. Mm-hmm. But, okay, rephrasing my words here. When Gendry comes in, see, if I say Gendry, I'm fine. But if Gendry comes in... He looks at Arya the same way Joffrey, this was, was giving me tongue twist, Joffrey looked at Sansa. And it, it's literally almost like an identical scene. But then you are having, of course, the big queen that's come over from Essos has now made her way all the way to Winterfell. And you get this weird split vibe because they're not happy they're there. And she even brings all her power again. And has Drogon and Rhaegal roar at the top of their lungs as they come in, and you get this split vibe. That how could you do this to us, John? Kind of, yeah. And so what I wrote down even before that is Arya. She was so excited to see John because this is this would be like the first time she's laid eyes on John since they all split in season one. You know, he went to the Night's Watch. She went down to King's Landing with her father and. Um, we know what happened for both of them, right? So she was, she was super excited to see John, but she was surprised to see the Hound and Gendry. You could see the, like the shock, like like the bewilderment, like taking mm-hmm. it back, the like hound. oh, the Hound and Gendry are here, like what the heck, you know? So um, that was pretty cool. But yeah, I also written down like the dragons they did unsettle the Northerners. Uh, but I put down Arya's psycho ass smiles at the dragons. <laughs> yeah, like everyone else is like freaked out. Like Sansa looks unnerved, but. Uh, yeah, you know what I thought too is you know right after that happened, 
John, when he enter, when he enters Winterfell, he immediately goes to Bran and embraces him. Oh, you know, yeah. The first time that since Bran fell from the tower and John left for the wall. Because remember back when Catelyn was like an asshole to John because she thought he was a bastard that mm-hmm. Ned Stark was cheated on his wife for honorable Ned. Yeah, you know, so told him to leave a yeah, hundred times. Exactly. Like, yeah. like literally, he tried to just say goodbye to like his brother Bran, and like Catelyn did not want him in there. So that was the first time that he seen Bran. Since Bran woke up from falling off of the tower that Jamie pushed him from, so yeah, that's that's what I had next. And then when, keep in mind when John sees Bran, I wrote this down. John goes, "Look at you, you're a man," and he goes this weird kind of what the fuck gothic moment. He goes, "Almost." <laughs> Like what? That was, that was actually a dead-on impersonation. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> like this, like the looking off into space, like the weird, like yeah, like, that was cool. It, that was he's, it's like he's kind of become that weird you, kid. You always, you always make that same analogy, but yes, yes, he's yeah. a very, very gothic, weird. Change. I see everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. Like, all right, um, but and then Danny, you know, she goes to meet Sansa, and you have this weird kind of back and forth. Almost like, like you, it really wasn't even a back and forth. It was more like Sanja just being like cold and icy towards being Danny. a bitch. Yeah, seriously, like realistically, <laughs> yeah. that's what it, it's like. If you have two people, I'll say, because it it doesn't always just happen with women. No offense, ladies, uh, but it's it, you know they're kind of going back and forth for power here, trying to be like I'm the bad bitch of here. Like you're not gonna step on my toes. Yeah. And so what I have for that, too, and this is a full circle moment. It's a nod to season one. I actually had to go back and watch it on video to make sure I had the exact words right. But when Robert Baratheon came to Winterfell back in episode one of season one, Ned said similar words, but it was an opposite emotion. So Ned and Robert Baratheon, they loved each other like brothers, right? So Ned said, well, because he asked, you know, what, where, where the hell have you been hiding all these years? And, and Ned said... Uh, Guarding the north for you, your grace. Winterfell is yours. But he said it like with love and like happiness, and like you know you can feel that. Now Sansa is the exact opposite. She's cold and icy. And Danny gives her a compliment. He's like, yeah, yeah, your brother was right. The north is beautiful, and so are you. And she goes, Winterfell is yours, your grace. Like so, she said like the same sort of deal. Like Winterfell is yours, your grace. But like it was completely opposite emotion, so it was interesting. Here's the thing, though. I, at this point, though, I think she's at least trying to give her a chance because you can see how she kind of sucks back, <laughs> kind of sucks back the moment to tell her off, and she says, "You know, Winterfell is yours, your grace." Yeah. And so, but then going back to that weird gothic kid in the corner, Mister Brand. <laughs> interrupts the whole party talk about the party foul here we don't have time for all this the night king has your dragon and he's one of them now the wall has fallen and the dead march south <laughs> just interrupts everything imagine that kid at the party that's like cops are here <laughs> cops are here bro so, before that what i wrote down because this is another so this is like i said we we're gonna bring this up this isn't something that's really uh, so-called important, but it kind of like proves our point from last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in season one, Cersei, when Robert Baratheon arrives in Winterfell, Robert wants to see the Stark crypt. This is her exact words. Cersei, when, when he goes to go, he, he wants Ned to take him to the crypts. Mm-hmm. Cersei says, we've been riding for a month, my love. Surely the dead can wait. 
So guys, it took a month for them to get from King's Landing to Winterfell. Why did it take them four scenes to get from Dragonstone to Beyond the Wall last season? That's that's one of the things that really mm. upsets me. Like we have now actual evidence of how long it's supposed to take just from King's Landing to Winterfell. A month. And do you think that that properly that properly depicted a month last season? No, it looks like they were just there. So yeah, I think that, that has frustrated to do with, me. You know, why isn't pinning off? Yeah, really for sure. Like I don't, I feel like that, I truly in. think they just didn't think about it. And mm. like we were talking about last episode, or maybe it was an episode before that, they had the budget. They were approved by HBO to do ten seasons. What happened was they had the offer for the Star Wars trilogy, which now they decided not to make. So they wanted to take that on, and they kind of crammed everything they could into season eight, and then. I guess because of budget reasons, maybe. Well, the thing is, like, six episodes. I don't even know if so much of it's about like them not doing ten seasons. The thing is, what a lot of people don't realize, it's like keeping the same cast is tough. They they work on different projects. Mm-hmm. Like Sansa was doing what Dark Phoenix, right? Or Sansa like that. was. Right, uh, so, Sophie Turner. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's really is difficult to keep an entire cast together. Um, for so long, especially when they have other projects they're going to do. Now, for the main characters, they got they had a budget of they got one million dollars per episode. So, like, yeah. so you know that's that's part of you know the budget that they have to work with is their the, the cut that the actors and actresses get. But you know when they are looking to do other maybe major motion films where they can make a lot more money than just one million per episode, hard to keep. You know, it's there. hard to keep everyone together. So maybe that had something to do with it too. Maybe like when they were talking about it, they're just like, hey, listen, like we, we you know. Some people can't make it back through. Other people want to do other things, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Either Makes either sense. way, um, yeah. Jumping back into it now that we were talking about Sansa, <laughs> Dark Phoenix. Um, <laughs> one thing I thought interesting was actually a really great strategic move. Shows that Sansa really is uh, kind of come to her own now. She calls all the banners to retreat back to Winterfell. They're gonna make their stand here at Winterfell. So it's cool to see her like thinking strategically. Um, you know, she also made sure that they all had a, told like all the northern houses they were going to take all of their food and grain too. And they said, if, "Listen, if you if you know we survive this and we don't need it anymore, we'll, we'll give it back to you. But like, if we're all going to make our last stand here, we're going to need as much like you know food and stores to keep you know us alive through this long night, right?" So, um, Lord Umber, Ned Umber, <laughs> uh, he's a little boy lord of the last hearth. He tells Sansa that they need more horses and wagons to bring his people to Winterfell. Because Sansa was asking him, when can we expect your men to arrive? And, right. You know, so that's what's the next thing I had there. And then, kind of at this point, you have, you know, the tiny girl with, with the huge brave heart stands up and really expresses her opinion that she's not too happy with Danny there. Because keep in mind, you know, Lord Umber, little, is he a lord? Did they make him a lord last season? umber the little boy um dan he goes she goes and my queen so danny sits down and then lady mormont stands up and she says your grace but you're not are you and i mean i'm not sure what you are now a lord nothing at all and then it kind of goes silent for a minute and john says it's not important not important we named you king of the north and john said you did my lady it was the honor of my life i'll always be grateful for your faith 
But when I left Winterfell, I told you we need allies or we will die. I have brought you those allies home to fight alongside us. I had a choice. Keep my crown or protect the North. I chose the North. And at this moment, kind of Tyrion has to start standing up. But it's going to show here that the Northern, the Northmen are not happy that John has sworn his allegiance to an Eastern queen here. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I'm trying to find, so I tried to, guys, I labeled my notes like by the number and I'm looking for what, what where I would be and where you're at right now. I'm right yeah. where, right after where you were in so, Winterfell. Right, right, right. No, so like when my page turned, because like that last thing oh, I had okay. for there, I'm trying to find uh, the next part of it. Because I definitely, I obviously wrote the uh, number down wrong for one of these things. You're good. While you're, so, um, yeah, na- na- knock out the next thing that you have on there as well. But basically, so Tyrion kind of uh, steps in here and he says, I know our people haven't been friends in the past, but we must fight together now or die. And Sansa says, may I ask, how are we meant to feed the greatest army the world has ever seen? Which goes into your point about how they were looking for the resources. While I ensure our stores would last through the winter, I didn't account for Dothraki, Unsullied, and two full dragons. What do your dragons eat anyways? (laughs) And Danny looks over. You know, she's a very calm person when approaching these situations and says, whatever they want. And then it's dead silent. <laughs> so you really have this back and forth. Uh, and it was kind of like a fuck you, Sansa. Like, I'm yeah. not going to put up with your shit right now. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. So. And then I kind of, we got here that Gingery starts say his name please gendry you know uh, wow i'm so bad with gendry over here gendry uh gendry starts making the dragon glass uh for people throughout winterfell and then Tyrion starts to meet with sansa again one-on-one um and this is the first time they've seen each other since really yeah since joffrey's wedding when joffrey was killed and um Tyrion says the lady of winterfell has a nice ring to it. <laughs> Many underestimated you, most of whom are dead now. And Sansa says, so does Hand of the Queen, depending on the queen, I suppose. <laughs> Last time we spoke was at Joffrey's wedding. Miserable affair. It had its moments. <laughs> That's what she said. There you it, go. It I still yeah. not, I still can't find where I'm supposed to be. No, but. you hit it right on the right yeah. on the point there. Apologies for leaving like that. Yes, it was a bit hard to explain after a king's murder. Well, we both pers- survived. So what this kind of shows is, you know, it's kind of that full circle moment where they get to see each other again. And, you know, Tyrion and Sansa both really start to understand each other um, throughout the season. In fact, there's a part later on where, you know, Sansa says you were the best of them out of the people you were married to. And Tyrion goes to start saying... He, he says, oh, that, that's a, quite a shame. <laughs> like, that's basically <laughs> a pity. But here's a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think Sansa was ever starting to develop feelings for Tyrion? I thought about it. I don't think so. I just think, you know, she's... 
she's been through so much. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she just was a widow to the end of her days because she doesn't like men. She doesn't trust men. Because you think, you think about later on um, when, after, you know, once we, not to get too far ahead, but when she talks with the hound after everything happens, like they have that little um, dialogue her and the hound do. So I don't think so. I don't think that she has any sort of like romantic feelings towards Tyrion. I think it was more like a, you know, you you are so much more than what you know other people give you credit for like you know you are like, like you're a good person like it's almost like a, it's a sign of trust more than anything i think meaning you know because she does obviously doesn't trust daenerys doesn't like that kind of union between john and her but he she still trusts Tyrion, and it shows later on when she tells Tyrion something very very important um when she was sworn to not tell <laughs> uh her but uh, i found where i was supposed to be that's the good news um yes so John tells a maester to send the ravens to the Night's Watch since the wall has fallen. He wants them to make their stand up with the rest of the, the north at Winterfell. And then, like you said, uh, Lyanna Stark had her deal. So she starts call, causing ruckus by calling out John for getting up his crown. Uh, you know, and like you said, yeah, he chose to protect the north and his people. Now, the one thing I did want to add uh, to where we were just a little bit before is Tyrion tries to show the, the value, that the, the choice by telling the north that they have Jon Snow to thank for bringing the largest army together that the world has ever seen because everyone's mad at him at this point in that in that room they're all yelling at him for you know giving up his so and so crown but Tyrion's like guys like literally if it wasn't for your king in the north here you all would have died like <laughs> there's no way that and John was trying to say that as well but then he kind of made the mistake of saying the largest uh, army the world's ever seen because that's when Sansa brings up the issue on how to feed them but think about it they've got dragons Dothraki and unsullied, then he adds that the Lannister army will join them right. in the fight against the dead. But this is uh, Cersei's betrayal. Another reason I think Danny loses mm-hmm. her shit. <laughs> I think that that has to do with it. So, um, but yeah, now uh, they talk about the, the, the dragon. Now I want to say this as well before we get to Tyrion and Sansa's part. The dragon glass makes it through the gates to Winterfell. That's an important part because this is what all the weapons that they're going to need to fight the army of the dead. So mm-hmm. the the dragon glass makes it through. You see like wheelbarrows full of of dragon glass that uh, Gendry's going to have to f- to forge. Uh, but yeah, no, no. Uh, Tyrion and Sansa they talk on the ramparts. Sansa basically calls out the fact that Cersei won't hold up her end of the deal, uh, and she even insults Tyrion about it. He <laughs> she she tells him, "I used to think you were the cleverest man alive." Like, you kind of be an asshole to him <laughs> because he wanted to take his sister's word, which in the end, Sansa ended up being right about it. So. And I love you brought that up because here's a big question here. <clears throat> I think Sansa knows Cersei because of the time she spent in King's Landing better than even Tyrion. And the reason why is we can't even, we're not going to give away any spoilers. Going even back to season seven, Tyrion's already been outsmarted by his own sister twice. Mm-hmm. So, and it's and a big one actually comes up next episode. But um, so, here's the kind of thing here though. Like, why is she? Why would you say Sansa is so upset though when they know you're about to have the biggest fight of your life coming up soon when you're discussing the Lannister army? And she has this history with Tyrion. It's not Cersei they're bringing to town. It's the Lannister army that's supposedly coming down to see them. Why is Sansa really 
kind of pissed at Tyrion here, and then also she's really displaying this power to Danny. When she knew what Jon was doing all along was to go get alliances for this army. I get she thinks, you know, Jon loves Danny, but in the end, you still have a battle to fight here. Mm-hmm. So, what's your opinion on that? Do you think, do you think Sansa is pissed because she thinks Jon is just making decisions because he's in love with Danny, or do you think she really just wants to have her own say so and be queen, and she's holding past grudges from the Lannisters? And she's heard about the Mad King. I don't think it's either. Um, I I think they just got their home back. They like literally everything that they've gone through is because uh, Ned Stark called out the fact that Joffrey wasn't the rightful king to the throne, and that they he wasn't going to kneel to him. But then he ended up doing it to save his his daughters. So like the whole this whole thing, everything's all started in A Song of Ice and Fire because of rulers to the south. So now that they've got their own place back, they took it back from the Boltons, all the Starks are there, you know, all the rest of them, you know, Bran, Arya, Sansa, and if you want to count Jon, they're all, they're all together. They, they finally got everything is in their favor for once. And the fact that everything's in their favor, it bugs Sansa that now they've got to basically give up everything they've worked for to you know, bow to this new queen that came from another country, and it wasn't even wasn't, they weren't even King's Land, it wasn't even right. Westeros. Like she was from the east, like this queen from the east, right? So, I think that's more along the lines of where that lies, that issue, that conflict. I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, so then, at this point, you do have another full circle moment. That's pretty big. Yay, John and Arya. Yeah, yeah, this is the reunion we wanted, man. Yeah. To, uh, I think honestly, Arya and John were the most connected out of the. Yeah, Starks. they were, they were the closest like siblings of everyone. <laughs> Arya and John, because you know, John um, gave her needle, and in the books more so. Like I mean, it's okayly depicted in the series, but in the books, it really talks about when Arya's going through her journeys, especially when she gets caught by the mountain and taken to Harrenhal. How she misses like when John would like muscle up her hair. Uh, you know, and call her little sister and things like that. Like, so she, of all the people, she always was missing John. And John, the same sort of deal, like in, at the wall, like he, when he misses a family, a lot of it was, you know, around his interactions with Arya because they were just, they were like the kind of closest because they both had like the Stark features as versus Catelyn's, you know, so like Rob Stark was very like fair and like kind of took after like Catelyn's beauty. Same with Sansa. Um, you know, Brandon and Recon were just too young. Um, so, Really, it's they were just connected because like they weren't the very they weren't the prettiest, you know, but they were they felt uh, they were both themselves, and no one else allowed them to be themselves except them together as each other. And here's what I love about this: people are starting to realize Sansa isn't the little girl she was when they saw her in season one. She is that bad bitch now, and John gets a little bit of a taste of that. Um, in this moment and you kind of get this kind of laugh my ass off moment because so Arya looks at John and says you used to be taller and John says how did you sneak up on me how, how did you survive a knife in the heart I didn't <laughs> and they kind of go back and forth for just a minute and uh, John realizes you know this girl has grown up and he says where were you before? I could have used your help with Sansa. Uh, she doesn't like your queen, does she? And uh, kind of goes back and forth just a little bit. And one of the greatest 
lines I love here is, you know, she shows him needle and he says, have you ever had to use it? And she says once or twice. Mm -hmm. And it's, I remember when that even premiered, everyone was laughing their ass off because little does John know this is the baddest bitch he's ever met. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote down, it was like a nice wholesome moment. Like it was like some happiness there. Uh, for, for once, you know, John's been, John's been through hell, man. He, uh, he had to go to Dragonstone, had to make a really big decision about, you know, bending the knee to Daenerys, went above the wall, captured a white, almost died over there. Like, you know, when he fell through the ice and then Benjen Stark, like a ghost, whatever his zombified normal person form saved him there. Like John's been through all of this shit and now he knows he's getting shit from the Northern houses for giving up the throne. Like, he just like, like John never wins, right? <laughs> like no matter what mm-hmm. he does, he just never wins. So it was just, uh, it was nice to see that uh, uh, him and Arya's relationship never changed and that she doesn't blame him for anything or like think he's in the wrong, which was cool. And here's what you're kind of seeing out of here is you're starting to see Arya sides with Sansa. And John says Sansa thinks she's smarter than everyone. And Arya says she's the smartest person I've ever met. And Arya says she's defending our family after John describes you know so you're defending her now like what's the deal with that like I thought you'd pick my side well yes the thing is like because if you guys remember Arya and Sansa have always been at each other like bickering back and forth all through this whole season like well I shouldn't say the whole series because they've only really had each other in season one and they went their separate ways but like all in season one like they were a nuisance to each other like you know Sansa thought that Arya spoiled like the day by like um you know ruining everything and then when she like fought to Joffrey and threw his sword in the lake like they they just always had like a back and forth mm-hmm. like you know not I won't even call a sibling rivalry they just pretty much didn't like each other like for a while right. they were just so different like uh, like they wanted Arya to be just like Sansa and so Aunt Sansa was kind of like the golden child like she was the lady that you wanted and Arya was like I want to go fight with the boys and like they tried to change her into someone that she wasn't and so like it almost like seemed that they liked Sansa more because Sansa was doing what they expected her to do and so I think they always clashed um, over that. I remember your hair when father got dropped to the block. Yeah. <laughs> like that was my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in season seven. But here's my question to you. Okay. Because Arya has been so close to John. Mm-hmm. Why don't you think she at least gave John the chance first of, okay, he trusts this woman maybe I should stop just picking my sister's side and actually hear what he has to say. He is my brother, whether he's a bastard or not. But she didn't take anyone's side. All she said was she's the smartest person I ever know. She didn't agree and say, like, I'm against Danny, or, like, I'm on her side. All she said is, like, she's the smartest woman I, like, she's the smartest person I've ever knew. Well, she said she doesn't like your queen very much. She's defending our family. Yeah. So you almost get that but, sense of, like, a defense mechanism. Like, she's defending our family. I just don't. I don't think it was like a side choosing moment. I, I didn't. I didn't catch it. I, I didn't. I not. Not that I didn't catch. It. I don't believe that it was meant to be a side choosing thing. It was more the lines of like, like almost to how John told Sansa before, um, the Battle of the Bastards. He tells her, you know, we can't fight a war amongst ourselves. I think it was kind of that same sort of vibe. Being neutral. Yeah. Like, gotcha. like listen, no, like, 
Like, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, San, like, you know the, Sansa has this, like, aura. But you know what? At the end of the day, Sansa's very, very smart. Is That's basically what she's trying to tell John. Like, I don't think it was more like, you know, she's right, you're wrong. It's like, hey, listen, like, at the end of the day, we're all family. Because, like, that's exactly right. what happens next. It was, yeah. it was that moment, like, you know, I'm your family, too. And they hug. Right. I'm you your know, family, so. too. And Which she is funny says, don't forget not. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Whereas they don't know yet. But, yeah. you know, then you kind of... Well, they know. They well, I know. I mean, Arya and Sansa oh, don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then we kind of go back over to King's Landing, and your boy... Don't say it. <laughs> say it right. Say his name right. Kyburn. Kyburn, I've been working Let's on it. Let's go. Yeah. I was gonna say Euron, oh. but um, first you do have Kyburn. That yeah, yes. you, you want to go into that I will. a little bit. Yeah, Kyburn. Uh, he tells Cersei that the dead have broken through the wall, and she's happy about it. She says, "Good." <laughs> like she's like, because remember she fucked them all over because they Fucking were supposed crazy. to get supposed to like march the Lannister army north and and like like that's why Jamie left to go you know on his way up that we left off you know in season seven um she like lied about it like she called like an armistice and like she just gave her word that you know they would have like the troops and send them out there and so not only did they not send it now she's happy that the dead are through and they're gonna have to deal with it like yeah fuck it so but yes uh and we see now after that we do see uh euron bringing the golden company in there's it. your boy there is. And <laughs> let's go mad at them <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I think it's cool, too, because, like, not only is he bringing, like, how important that fucking Euron is during this whole thing. Like, it's crazy. I think, like I said, we always talk about it. Don't love the actor cast for it. But at the end of the day, he's so important to the storyline. It's just crazy how late he shows up and how much, like, rests on his shoulders. But he brings the Golden Company over from Essos yeah. on his Iron Fleet. Here's the thing, too. I'm glad you brought this to my attention because... And as everyone knows, on this podcast, I have not been a fan of the actor that played Euron because mm. I read the books. Mm. As I rewatch season eight, go watch season eight again, guys, because you get another perspective and you're like, you know, Euron is really perceived as a badass in the show. You just don't pick up on it at first, I think, because we were so dialed into one moment. Mm -hmm. But if you go back and rewatch the details and the military tactics and that sort of thing and the intellectual ability and the pompousness. He is a badass. Yeah, for he, sure. He is a badass. Kind of reminds me of sounds weird when I say this, but Lucius Malfoy, like is <laughs> not a badass. He's not, dude, name, name one cool thing Lucius ever did. This is a lead of the Death Eaters. Dude, but like, he didn't do anything. I never saw him fight anyone and kill them and best them in any sort of uh, duel. Like, no, that's actually I, terrible, terrible analogy. You're usually good with analogies. That's, that couldn't be further from the Lucius truth. Lucius Malfoy. No, no he dude, had that respect like, about him, though. No, dude, they spit on Lucius Malfoy. The rest of Death Eaters took him as a joke, especially after, oh, like... Fine. Okay, that's fine. That's a Let's terrible see. analogy. Well, I can't say Sirius Black because he's well, a good guy. Maybe not it's got to be someone that's I mean, sick, though. I wouldn't say that. And I can't say Voldemort because Voldemort's Bro, too wheezing. I, I just don't think... Maybe there's quiet. not a good Maybe there's not a good Harry Potter analogy for Euron. There's really you know, not. Like, maybe Gellert Grindelwald in a way because he, he was like low-key like Grindelwald he, yeah, maybe because he, had, he maybe, was like almost right? like on level with how powerful Dumbledore was you know they, they dueled each other like, but remember yeah, how so. pompous Lucius was that's yeah, the thing, he, like, like how pompous he was. He was, yeah, super arrogant and like, you know, he walked like a shit don't stink. Like thought, here's but, like, the shit. But it was a, the, the, the Euron's arrogance is a different type. 
It's more like I'm gonna like do and say what I want, and I don't give a fuck what happens. Where Lucy, Lucius is like, yeah. I think I'm better than you. That's Lucius's. Like, if uh, Lucius mixed with Dexter, <laughs> that's I I from Showtime. <laughs> I just think that Malfoy's personality, Lucius Malfoy's personality, his whole like stick is, I think I'm better than you. Like I'm a pure blood. Like you're beneath me. I don't think Euron has that same sort of arrogance. Okay. Like, yeah. Euron. He was kind of more like just, earning like, it. Almost, like yeah, too. he was. He, you know who he is, bro? He's fucking Conor McGregor. Okay. Conor, that was <laughs> like, perfect. Dude, like, talks no, like, that was talks perfect, like a big dude. game and backs it That up. was perfect. Like, yeah. That was dead on. You hit yeah. that down to the t- Conor McGregor. Yeah. I really think. I, is he still suspended, by the way? No, he actually fought Cowboy Cerrone in January and beat him in like 40 seconds with like shoulder strikes. Dude, badass. this guy, man. He's, <laughs> Conor McGregor is insane. Yeah. Uh, no, that was that's dead a, on. That, that, that was really good. A, that's a great... That's That was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... He's a psycho. Yeah, we, by we, the we, way. yeah, he's oh, he has balls of steel. We'll talk about that in a second. But before we talk about his interaction with Cersei, I think it's important to note that we didn't know of Yara's fate, and we see that she's at least still alive. We, we see we learn that Yara's still alive, and he has her prisoner. And he, she asks like, "Why haven't you killed me yet?" He's like, "Well, if I kill you, I've got no one to talk to." Like he's just a psycho, man. And I love what he tells her. Yeah, this do, is do kind you of, have it. Yeah, okay, I have take all. It. Oh, you know, I have every yeah, quote in the book, it. man. Do you think my dog? Trying to hold him up too much, but he is. It's kind of like a laugh my ass off moment too. Okay. And he goes, "We're the last of the Greyjoys <laughs> left, last ones with balls anyway." <laughs> and it's, it, dude, it's, it's, it, you know why that's so funny? Well, you left off on that because what did I write right here? Euron has balls of steel <laughs> because literally. So Harry Strickland is the leader of the Golden Company. He tells Cersei that they've brought twenty thousand of the Golden Company. He said a few died in transit. And, like, he kind of has a pause there. And Euron's like, they cheated at dice. Or maybe I cheated. <laughs> Someone cheated. They weren't good fighters. You won't miss them. <laughs> like, think, dude, that was awesome. I think it's important to bring up, too. I Until this season, this fucker only looks out for himself. Euron <laughs> has no loyalty except for himself. You think he has loyalty? But the reason he has loyalty is because he wants what he wants. Yep. He even said here, he said... Then I'm going to sail the Iron Fleet somewhere else. But first, I'm going to fuck the queen. That's true. You did yeah, a good, good way to go back there before. But yeah, man, I just thought that was super funny how he's in this throne room. Like, Cersei, you know, is the most powerful person in King's Landing. She can decide who lives and who dies, basically. And she just told him that while... He just told her that while he brought her army that she paid for over, that he killed a few people on there. Like, like it was no big deal. Like, you know, dude, like, like, hey, like, that's like you, you hurt my investment. I bought these like people, like these soldiers, like you can't fucking just decide you're going to kill them. So it was funny. He just admitted it. And he was just so just like, whatever about it. He's a psycho man. And I thought, you know, Ramsey is a, uh, Ramsey's my boy. Like, you know, you're on your boy, Ramsey, Ramsey is a sick mind fuck, but you're on is, is. He's he's fucked he's up. Dangerous. He, he's he's like no bounds. Like no bounds. Like doesn't yeah, care. Doesn't care. Talk about giving zero fucks. Like Euron gives zero, <laughs> zero fucks. Zero right? fucks. No f's, sir. Yeah. No f's. Um. Yeah. You know. Now we're still on the thing with him. Um. Two thousand horses. That's. I wanted to talk about what they all got. Two thousand horses with twenty thousand the gold company. Uh, Cersei wanted some elephants as well, but no elephants for her. And it's so funny because she brings it up later on too, and we'll get there. But uh, like she made it a point 
to be known that she won elephants. How do you expect elephants to fit on a ship? I don't understand like why she thought that was logical. <laughs> I was thinking that same thing. The only thing I could think badass is if we had like some Legolas moment from Theon where he takes down a fucking elephant. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, which we'll find out what happens with him. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah, he's coming up here pretty soon. Um, but yeah, Euron is back at it with firing from the hip, basically asking to fuck Cersei to her face. And we're gonna come up on a pretty uh, relatable moment to pop culture, oh. I would say. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, move in the club and shake my stuff. Oh, fucking big dirty baby, let's go, Mally in the chalice. Oh, malice in the chalice. Mm. So we have here Cersei goes. You're a true friend of the crown and an honored guest. That was Josh. You know, he has to control my hands because <laughs> my hands are always. And Euron says, as a true friend and honored guest, I was hoping we could talk in private. After the war, that was our agreement. Wars sometimes last years. You want a whore, buy one. You want a queen, earn her <laughs> it's you know and what i was joking about when i first came over here before we started up i was like bro like that was if you guys ever use any dating apps like tinder or bumble <laughs> or whatever like dude i think after that happened every every girl's bio that like i came across on like swiping through same exact quote you want a whore buy one you want a clean earn her oh my oh gosh my goodness. i can tell you over and over the girls i've seen that I personally know that on Instagram, remember they would like shake their ass. Like they take a picture of like their ass on a car or something and are trying to look super hot in their underwear or something. And they'd be like, you want a whore, buy one. You want a queen, earn her. And it's like, you've only acted like the first sentence. Like, <laughs> oh, like that's it you see what i'm saying i just i don't know man but, i don't uh, know man that was a big moment when this season came out though. how was, did that catch like, on you know and you know what's really funny too about that it's like she went through all of that to like kind of like turn around and like reject him and like you know she verbally spars with him then she walks towards the exit of the throne room only look back at him and like allow him to go with her. <laughs> like you just want this whole thing. You had this like iconic line apparently that everyone loved in the world, and then you just like, all right, Which, <laughs> let's talk about that. Five, for... uh, five minutes is all it took. <laughs> Sixty seconds, real quick, because we never get to talk about pop culture on this show because we're we're a total fantasy. Like, how did that catch on when someone says? You want a whore, buy one. You want a queen, earn her. Do girls just love the fact they got to type whore into the Instagram no, caption? I just, I think it's more the thing that like they, they want to make themselves like a sense of self-importance. Like I'm a queen, so like yeah, like I'm instead, a queen. Like, yeah, okay, like, like, gotcha. Like, yeah, like you know, like no, like I'm not easy to to get earn with. You. Yeah, you you got to put in some work in for me, boys. <laughs> you got to put in some work. When what's funny? I guarantee you, seventy-five percent of the girls that posted that probably had barely seen this episode and not realized who the hell that was for and what a sick bastard if they knew like who she said that to i guarantee you 75 percent of them (laughs) wouldn't be showing that shit but hey no they all look great i just don't understand like how you're gonna go out there say that and then be like go ahead anyways man i'm just messing around sure we should have all responded i want to fuck the queen like (laughs) 
so yeah dude, like, that's um, terrible but it, yeah no you you all look gorgeous by the but, way <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i just don't understand how I, someone have to explain that to me how you're gonna make a big point to say all this and in the same exact scene allow him to do what he requested like yeah like it yeah, makes no sense i don't that was just like okay so what much was the point for, of saying that i mean i guess technically he earned it but that was yes. a quick earn but yeah exactly that was like a you yeah. built a lemonade stand and you sold yeah. one fucking lemonade <laughs> that was when mommy I mean, and daddy tell you to build the fucking stand and then your neighbor came across the street bought a cup of lemonade for a dollar which your mom paid them back for the I, dollar and then gave you your fucking Game Boy game that you were trying I to buy. I disagree with you entirely because he did a lot for them. He <laughs> like, Dude, he killed two of the Sand Snakes. He brought her a large <clears throat> anti-in. He brought the whole Golden Company over to there with their horses on his fleet. Like, no. He did a lot. He absolutely But think it. of like, when it happened. I guess, okay, okay. There is a big moment that does happen. Like so, I can. Oh, and not only that. Uh, oh wait, yes, we haven't got to. That. That's what I'm saying. We don't want to give away spoilers, but I'm just saying it was like I could understand that if the gift was when she said, "If you want a whore, buy her. If you want a queen, earn her," and said it then. But literally, like. He's done dude, a what lot. was it like two episodes later? She's getting her fuck on. Dude, not even <laughs> dude, not even like she allowed her he allowed Get her to go with the cone. The- yeah, she wanted some sleigh, and Jamie got to watch. <laughs> That's not really not. but <laughs> so anyways, okay, from here. Yeah, from there. Uh, you know, we actually get to see Braun for the first time in a while. I think that's the last time, the first time we saw Braun since uh, he saved Jamie from the dragon. Like, promise like, me a castle. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Braun doing some Braun things. He's got three uh, prostitutes there with him in the uh, in the room, and he's having some fun. Although they they are kind of bugging him about like the dragons. Like, Dude, shut I the fuck about the dragon. Oh, you, you have the quote. <laughs> I love it. If you got the quote, go ahead. I didn't uh, think it was important so to br- the plot. What's funny is I actually root here Bron's getting his fuck on. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's typical of me. He goes, I'm the only one that shot a dragon. <laughs> and then they're, you know, they're kind of all over him at the moment. And I love kind of this interaction because Kyburn comes in. And I he has even an interaction with one of the girls, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Kyburn goes... Um, Kyburn uh, kind of looks at the girl and she comes back to him and says, if you ever get lonely, I'm partial to older gentlemen. Yeah. And this is like one of the girls he has in the room. And Kyburn, as she walks out, looks at Braun, straight, just a straight businessman. Poor girl. Pox will take her within the year. Yeah. <laughs> like, how fucked up is that? Braun, like, like Kyburn is just an interesting individual as well. Um, I think he's like messed up in the head or something. Probably, but do you guys remember where Kyburn came from? Um, he was found in Heron Hall when Rob briefly, Rob Stark briefly had the Northern Army in Heron Hall. They had all the Northerners like dead, and he was one of the few ones that was alive. Like Kyburn came from being saved by by Rob Stark to being basically like the hand of Cersei. <laughs> Which is like, funny. You would think he would serve, be more loyal to the right. Starks. The, yeah, that's that's the that's the issue though. Is the thing is like Roose Bolton was the one that was holding Heron Hall after Rob mm-hmm. Stark left, and like you saw like Roose turned on Rob. So right. I think that's where it kind of went from. But uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think Kyburn gets as much respect 
as he actually deserves. No, I agree 100%. That guy, you know, he's the one that kind of saved Jamie's life by because he he told Jamie initially he was going to have to take the arm off up to like the the mm-hmm. elbow. And he's like, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. So, like, anyway, no. Like, that no. was a funny quote, too. I don't even know if we put that in our. Think about Kyburn. Like, the think, think about the mountain. Like, the things he's done. He's an intellectual genius. He's almost like that mad scientist. He's I exactly say. a mad scientist. Like, he's the one that can push the boundaries and limits because he does stuff that, you know, that's what he got kicked out of the Citadel. Like, he, he yeah. lost the shame in the Citadel because, like, he was trying to. Um, do like he's trying to learn more about diseases and cures and stuff, and because you know how he had to learn was to you know put them in people. Like here's he, had to, a, he had to infect people, and then that was like the whole thing. But yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, here's the thing, though. Think about this: like Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, like the good version. If there could have been a good version of Kyburn, it would be Samuel Tarly. Yeah, think about that. Like exactly. Samuel Tarly becomes. The Grand Maester. I mean, he's a genius. Yeah. Like, he was getting kicked out of the Citadel. Not kicked out, but threatened to be kicked out for doing things he shouldn't. But it was for the good way. Yeah. Kyburn, because he's, like, the dark arts, man. <laughs> he's, you know? So, it's it's very interesting. But my point was, I think a lot of people look over him like, oh, he's just some, you know, secondhand suck-up to Cersei and they don't realize the intellectual ability he has that got him there. Yeah, exactly. And he takes over, like, he's like the master of whispers in the hand of the queen all in one. You know, he's he takes control like the little birds. <laughs> like they, you know, and they, so what I've been trying to say about Kyburn is that we go through a list of all the accomplishments that he's done, right? Not even Sir Gregor. He helped Jamie's hand out as well, but he also took over Varys's birds and was able to get information back. That's exactly how they finally outsmarted um, the High Sparrow, uh, which was like the biggest nuisance to them in King's Landing for the better part of a whole season and a half. You know, so he helped out there as well. He's the one that goes and talks, like, you know, once we get there, not not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but the one that goes out there and kind of gives terms for a certain person's release. Um, you know, he's like, he does everything for her. Like, and he has all these great accolades. And so when people, people look over him because he's not physically imposing. He doesn't, you know, he's not a warrior. He's not anyone at all but at the end of the day like Cersei wouldn't be alive without him honestly <laughs> well that kind of goes into what I was saying <laughs> which we haven't gotten there yet but there's a line in episode 4 of the season where Tyrion says Kyburn you're a rational man Yeah, and uh, that was my point was I don't think you need a malice in the chalice by the way that's <laughs> what you need um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's my point is a lot of people look over him and think he is kind of that groupie to Cersei that just happened to get there by his name, but he earned it from every step of the way. Yeah. He was, uh, he's a badass for sure. In his own right. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, and the thing is he was never mean or nasty and he even tries to get her to see like the right, like thing is like, he knows what's right and wrong. He just decides to do what's wrong because like he has Cersei to thank for his titles and his position. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like it's not some, so much as like Kyburn's a bad guy. He identifies what's right and wrong. Because remember when they stabbed the old Grand Maester Pycelle? 
like he's like sorry about this it's just kind of business you know how sometimes to make room for the new you gotta take out the old like he's nothing just straight personal. like yeah nothing personal <laughs> yeah. i'm just gonna kill you <laughs> like, nothing personal <laughs> but that's what i'm saying like so like, he's just not a really bad guy at all you know he's not like an evil man it's just like he's like hey like i'm somebody and i can practice like my my things because of cersei so you know what whatever she says i'll fucking do i don't care yeah you know but I think we spent a lot of time on Kyburn. <laughs> but the point with Kyburn is he brings this crossbow. Yeah. This kind of golden crossbow. And you want well, to tell him? It's a very familiar crossbow. Yep. You want to tell him about that? No, go ahead. That's you. I think that's a, that's a, that's a chase one for sure. Well, I mean, the biggest thing I was going to tell him that was I was going to kind of say what the offer was. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of remember two here. Remember, Jamie promised him kind of all this gold, and he kind of went back and forth and was saying, <laughs> you know, how can I trust you? Well, he Jamie did give him the gold, at, and, like, what's it called? Uh, what's that episode called? Uh, uh, Spoils, Spoils of War. War. He yeah. had that big, huge mm-hmm. bag and, like, lost it because the dragon, like, melted yeah. it. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, you know, he, he was given that, but he had uh, he was married or wed to or intended for Lawless, had, like, a little castle, like, with in there, and then he ended, Jamie ended up taking that away because he's gonna give a better a better girl and a bigger castle from back then. So that you know that leads into what yeah. what's um, being offered now. Yeah. So what do you? Oh, Cersei's fucked up. Like this is a fucked up. <laughs> you moment. think? <laughs> yeah. Even for her though, because here's the thing with Cersei is she's always been about family, mm-hmm. and you know, her offer here is that she offers Braun. she has wagons of gold actually outside and offers them to kill Tyrion and Jaime mm-hmm. and that's the offer and you know Braun at first was like you know I've heard this story before but the wagons are outside yep and tell them so about you, the crossbow because I actually don't have right. that written down so yeah there's nothing too crazy about the pro- crossbow guys it's the same exact crossbow that Tyrion used to shoot Tywin Lannister yeah. on the toilet mm-hmm. so like he tells her that uh the queen has a very funny sense of irony. It like, has a very keen sense of irony. Like, you know, she, <laughs> she wants them to die the same way that Tyrion killed um, Tywin. He left us open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not necessarily on the toilet, but, like, you want them to sh- shoot him with the crossbow specifically. And, you know, that again, that, to your point, Bronn starts complaining, like, oh, I always do all these empty promises. <laughs> you always promise everything. And he's like, well, the queen pays in advance. And there's wagons full of gold outside. And they offered him, um, what's it called? River Run. Man, I miss Tywin, man. He was fucked up, but he was great. He was smart. He was a, he yeah. was a genius. Had everything under his Dude, belt. yeah, he, he's, he's in control of everything, man. Talk about someone who in just had it all. boy murdered uh, her, raped her. Kill the children! I so... I, I know, like, I always, like, say when I hate that you bring Oberon up, but at the end of the day, I wish we got some more of him. Like, I wish, like, like you know, it was just sad that that's the only thing that we got. I wish he would have killed a couple important people first and then maybe died. It just stinks that, like, you know. I'll tell you. I was watching the Clegane Bowl the other day, and <clears> I was, was sitting awesome. there. <laughs> you know, the minute we'll go into where you kind of mm-hmm. see his armor ripped off, yeah, you yeah, sit yeah. there and start thinking, you're like, man, mm-hmm. if only it had ended some other way. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, Cersei wants Bronn to kill Tyrion and Jaime with the same mm-hmm. crossbow uh, Tyrion killed Tywin with. Yeah, you know, um, and then you have Euron, that you know already. <laughs> already nasty. Man. But that's what I was saying. Like, how quick was that? You realize how fast Couple that scenes. was? <laughs> Couple scenes. Literally, like next thing, you're yep. literally. Yeah. We got to be, you know, watch what we say. So it's just like 
But dude, like the Tinder people, <laughs> you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I, I, I see the, uh, the comparison you're trying yeah. to draw there. You know? So Cersei goes, you might be the most arrogant person Ooh, I've ever before met. Before that, though, like right before that, she. this is where she says again, I wanted those elephants. Like she like, she's like, yeah, she's like after they do the nasty, right. she takes a sip of the wine, she looks out the window and she's like, I wanted those elephants. Like, bro, girl, let it go. Like, what were you going to, like, I just don't understand, like, how she thought that the elephants were a plausible uh, thing to, to ask for. But, yes, and after that, uh, tell, mm-hmm. tell them that. Euron goes, he walks up to her as she's drinking some wine on the balcony. Do I please the queen? <laughs> she says, you might be the most arrogant person I've ever met. I like that. Yep. Oh, I wrote <laughs> that part down. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so you know, but it, it you know, and then Cersei kind of goes, "I want to be alone," and Euron winds up leaving. But before he leaves, he even says, "I'm going to put a prince in your belly," which is ironic because she's already pregnant with right. Jamie's kid. Which is a, exactly. a really smart thing that she does later on. Is basically, mm-hmm. well, well, we'll get there. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So. We had that little interaction between Euron and Cersei, so they, they did the nasty anyways after she told me you gotta earn it, right? Dune, left but, my uh, girl back home. Uh, our boy Theon, he's he's back. He's back in business. He rescues Yara, and I thought it was super, super funny because he gets on the ship, takes care of business, knocks, like, kills the guards, gets Yara, frees her. She looks at him and just headbutts him square in the face and he falls to the ground but then she like helps him back up mm-hmm. uh, I just thought that was super funny that like, he goes and risks his life and saves her and the first thing she does is headbutt him in the face for leaving her in the first place yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah but, yeah and I mean you kind of get the point of here is when we have the real Theon back um it took a long time and you know I'm a Ramsey Ramsey but I gotta, I gotta make the argument. I think Reek is gone. Yeah, no, I think he is too. Um, now, now we're talking about like Yara. See, what's important here? She's is- pissed, by the way. Yeah, she's not happy. <laughs> not fucking happy. Black eyes, beaten to hell. <laughs> Basically, like fuck you, man. Like you screwed me here. Yeah. yeah so, but anyways, like we're, we're past the part where she kind of forgives him. She helps him up, and she suggests that they retake the Iron Islands instead of going north to give Danny a place to retreat if they can't hold the north, a place the dead can't go. By the way, let's let's address this real quick. Once she gets there, takes the Iron Islands. What happens? Gone. Gone? Could they not afford to pay her? Like, she's just fucking gone? Like, that's it. She shows up at the end. At the very, very, like, at the... Very? Yeah, the very end. Like, that's it. But... (laughs) Like, you see what I'm saying, right? Like, that's it. She's gone. What's the point of her waiting there? They were like, listen, we're gonna need you to go on furlough for a few weeks. (laughs) I just, yeah, you know, it was a good plan. I mean, because, like, but the thing is, is, like, afterwards... You know, well, I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but as of a show, though, like, like come on, man, you rescued her for what? No reason. You might as well just leave. She her didn't. To die. Yeah, she didn't really do anything to support either war. You know, she allowed. Like I'm about to say right now, she gives Theon leave to go to Winterfell to fight for the Starks. That's what she said. You want to fight for the Starks, and mm-hmm. he he nodded his head yes, and so he told she told him to go. Um, but like 
doesn't help out in the long night and then doesn't help out at all later on other than the transportation um which you know and we see how that ends up in a little couple episodes but um yeah no she it's a good point that you bring up she doesn't doesn't do anything after she goes to the iron islands it's funny um, i mean even dario did better at least he lasted the whole season <laughs> like you show up episode one and then you show up what the last episode yep like literally like two seconds yeah. you missed you missed you missed five of them man <laughs> like where were you guys but, but i'll let you take it from here so the car starks uh alice car stark they arrive in winterfell uh and so as that's happening sir davos pulls like Tyrion to the side and you know tells Tyrion that the north is loyal to john not danny he said you know if there's one thing i learned about these northmen if you want their loyalty you have to earn it and so Tyrion says, well, I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're offering some sort of proposal. And he's like, the proposal's exactly what I'm offering. He wants John and Danny to marry, which on the surface doesn't look like a bad idea until, you know, you start thinking about how John and Danny are actually related, you know. And so that like it's a it's a great idea if you don't have the information that John is actually Aegon Targaryen. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was really important there. Um, and then one cool one cool quote wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's really important to the plot line but i think it's actually important because i think it relates to people in real life and it's kind of sad yeah. Varys says respect is how the young keep us at a distance so we don't remind them of an unpleasant truth and Tyrion says what truth is that that's so and funny Varys <laughs> replies nothing less so I, I, I thought that was a good a quote that really sad guys. So if you got grandparents and they're still alive, call them, go see them, visit them because you know what? It really, really relates sad. to now. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. True. 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 But yeah, you know, from there, uh, we learn that the dragons are barely eating. So, uh, Danny says it's because they don't like the North, but like, in here's my thing. Have you ever gone through like grief before, even later on, like, uh, when Danny doesn't eat later on, well, I'm not gonna get too much into it. But I think it's a lot about grief. So even though she says it's because they don't like the North, my brain is like turning. And is it possible that they're grieving for Viserion, and that's why they're not eating? Is they sad that they lost their brother, Dragon? No, I think. Well, it could be. Could yeah, be. Yeah. I gotta. I gotta keep my mind open to that. I think it's because they didn't want to be there. And here's my argument that. I don't even think Danny wants to be there. And Danny is their mother. Uh, you got to think, when they came in, so Danny is so used to her power being respected. And just like Lady Mormont stood up, you know, we made you king of the North. And now I don't even know what you are. Mm-hmm. And they, instead of being like, oh, you know, obviously, you know, John, we got a lot of respect for him. So if he's willing to pledge his allegiance to you we should at least give you a chance they never even gave her a chance and i think that's part of it i think you know if they know their so mother is not the happy dragons are feeding off her energy more than anything yeah okay. i think it's i think it's just well at the same time too yes they're animals but at the same time even an animal even if you have like your dog at home they know like you'll trust me like i you know i had my dog for like a very long time they know if people don't want them there like they get you know to the point 
they don't want to be around people. They go in their kennel all the time or in their room. I think it's just kind of one of those things that they kind of picked up the vibe that the Northmen didn't want them there. And, and Danny, that's funny you said that because her and John have a conversation and she's always been a conqueror, just like we talked about with Dario back in season six. And she says about Sansa, she doesn't need to be my friend, but if she can't respect me and stops. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. It wasn't even, I'm not even asking for your friendship. Just at least show me some respect here. Right. Because in the end, say what you want about Danny. I don't say I agree with her decisions she made. She has earned her step of the way. If John is pledging his allegiance to her, it has to say something, being that's the king you chose that he must know you deserve some sort of respect at this point. Well, that's part of the thing, though, is later on when John Sansa kind of have it out about that, it seems like he's like, you know, I'll say the exact quote because it's not that big of a deal, but she mm-hmm. said, you know, did you bend the knee because she's be a good queen or because you love her? So it's like, are mm-hmm. you thinking with your dick or, like, do you really think she's going to be a good... Like, that's my... I think that's probably a big part of it, not... I think the Starks are scared, though, because... Which, you know... Just taking the episode for what it is now, as if we didn't know about Danny's future at all. Sansa, in my opinion, should at least have given Danny a chance. And I don't think she ever gave Danny a chance from the beginning. No, not at all. I know she didn't give Danny a chance from the beginning. Um, and that's funny you said that because I do want to say like just how massive these dragons are. <laughs> they said they've only eaten 18 goats and 11 <laughs> sheep. <laughs> only. <laughs> only, right? So That's it's, crazy. But that's that was kind of my point. I don't I don't think Sansa, Arya maybe because Arya has kind of always been that neutral assassin now after the House of Black and White. Dude, that's a great great depiction of of Arya, a neutral assassin. That's a super cool. <laughs> that's a super good way of characterizing Arya. Yeah. Um, which is what they are. Which is funny <laughs> if you think about yeah, it. Faceless men are yeah. are neutral assassins. I'll let right? you take it from here though. Um, but yeah, John Dan- Danny urges John to ride Rhaegal, which is weird because they say that only Targaryens can ride them, and she doesn't know the truth yet. So like, what? Like, how did how did she like? Was that just a mishap, or like you know, or is that saying that only Targaryens can ride dragons? Is that just not true? Um, because obviously she doesn't know who John is. John doesn't know who John is. So realistically speaking, you shouldn't have been able to ride the dragon if that you know the. If the the saying that Targaryens are the only ones that can ride dragons is true, right? So, I mean, um, well, he could because we found out about him, but she doesn't know that at the time, right? Right, exactly. That's my point. But she's the one that urges him to do it. Like, right. like yeah, do this. Like, like how? Why would you urge him to do it if you know he can't? Like, so right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that was missed or maybe just uh, we maybe that Targaryens only being able to ride dragons just isn't true. Here's a um, question though. Going back to how we kind of foreshadow what happens which we're not going to go into that but just thinking about it how she's always only really cared there's that damn fly again but how she's always only really cared about what she, leave the fly alone she wanted <laughs> so danny has always only really cared about what she wanted based on what winds up getting foreshadowed do you think she was at in her mind well if he can ride this dragon 
that's gonna be amazing if he can't well that's his fucking problem because he'll be dead <laughs> you see what i'm saying right? i don't th- i don't think like, that's, that's not my problem like you're dead yeah. sorry have a good life because <laughs> oh, i mean wasn't there a quote i didn't write it down but if, I'm, if memory serves like she's like how do how will i know if like he doesn't want me to ride him He's like well it's been nice knowing you john snow <laughs> pretty much isn't didn't she say that yeah i have yeah. that quote actually right so, here. It's like, really funny. i don't i think that, I, I don't think that she, I, I think that she thought that the dragon's truck because remember how she seemed surprised uh when john was able to touch the dragon back last mm-hmm. season and like pet it and she kind of seemed surprised so i think she knew that the dragons had some level of trust for john so i don't think it was like well if you die you die <laughs> like i don't think it was really that but do you mind if i read that real quick yeah do your thing so danny looks at john as he's walking up to the dragon and he says she says go on he goes, I don't know how to ride a dragon. How do you do your little accent? You're really good at it. I don't. Know how to ride a dragon or something. Danny says, nobody does until they ride a dragon. John, what if he doesn't want me to? Then I've enjoyed your company, John Snow. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Right, right. You had something to do with that because I didn't write that quote down. But so, that, you, you know, it's, I don't think it's it, – it, it, she's – wants him to die by any means or like you know it's like oh whatever if he does because remember she loves him like and we know that in a couple different ways yeah Um, i agree with that i just (laughs) you kind of do wonder well if he's the person i think he is he'll be fine if not well oh well i should probably get maybe she thought that she'd be able to swoop in and save him if he did fall because she's really really good on drogon i don't know maybe yeah that's all that's all like hearsay right but um yeah so he ends up doing it uh, they, John and Danny ride dragons together, and I've actually wrote down like how beautiful the scenery was, and it's a great job graphically. Gorgeous. They did a really, really amazing job on on this exact scene. Yeah, like Rhaegal was, so was gorgeous, man. Yeah, everything like the and like the icy mountains, like the stream, the waterfall. It was just, it was really like. If you think about northern beauty in terms of like in the like in the wild and untamed. Uh, natural areas that that's exactly what you will picture uh, it reminded me a lot of alaska when i went out to alaska and it was really really beautiful one um, thing i loved about it was you know when they kind of swooped down you had drogon and then Rhaegal and their tails kind of float back and and Rhaegal, you can literally almost see the wind in his wings the green almost it literally looked like skin yeah like it was so dead they accurate so they, they, we've talked about this n- number of times but no other show or movie or anything like with videography has portrayed dragons as beautifully and as as i would imagine them as a kid in my head than game of thrones they did an amazing job making the dragons and keep in mind guys this is full cgi this is full just someone in a computer putting this stuff together they get down to the details a little extra like humps that aren't scales on them like like you said the little thin film of skin under there like the little eye flap like the, like a cat's eye when it has that little thing over before it closes its eye like they the teeth so, they look yes, ferocious like, man dude, they did everything so ferocious, well ferocious like, razor sharp yeah Gorgeous. Like straight up. By the way, you brought up a good point, though, because I do want to ask this. Because <laughs> you know how they just kind of hop on the dragon? This is one thing I've kind of always wondered <laughs> about, you know, the Song of Ice and Fire realm. In Aragon, they had saddles. They have yeah. saddles for horses. Why the fuck don't they have saddles for dragons? They had, yeah, they had saddles for an area. I mean, that's a good point because scales would rip out the inner side. Right. Under, inner thing you're, Remember that really happened at Aragon. Good point, bro. I didn't even think about that. You just, you just blew my mind. Just hops that. on there. Hang yeah, on. 
because like the scales are su- like like they're really really sharp. Like, Remember Aragon? He yes, like when he flew the raw. It? Yes, yeah. exactly. Like like super chafed. Like just torn up like on the inside. Yeah. Like imagine like sandpaper just going up against your leg. Oh like, yeah, yeah dude, sandpaper like, like that sandpaper. <laughs> yeah, big dirty. It just that's the only thing I could really think of to give you an idea of how. I mean, whoever's ridden, ridden horses bareback, you know how it's gonna hurt your tailbone. But like if you got scales, every movement is rubbing against your like leg with no protection. Really good, really good point yeah. about the saddle and the dragons. That and think one. of that too. Like this wasn't like Danny was the first dragon rider. Yeah. Like they had dragons for forever so you'd think they'd be like someone make a fucking saddle for this thing yeah that's that's, that's such a good point honestly just they didn't, didn't do their due diligence in thinking that through they just wanted yeah. to make again you know the sacrifice of the storylines and like logistically what could have happened is taking a back seat to Look at these beautiful scenes and pictures and dragons. Yeah, <laughs> so, but it was visually it stunning. Was, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, and then what I have next after that, um, when they got down there, and I just thought it was really, really funny. John, the first thing he says is, "You've completely ruined horses for me." <laughs> <laughs> Which here's another question. I know this brings up a lot of questions. But usually if you fly a plane, you have to learn to fly a plane. Why was he magically just some amazing dragon rider? You see what I'm like, he flew that shit like it was I mean, an so F-16. Was, so was Danny. Like, like, we never learned, Danny never learned how to fly a dragon either. Like, she would just automatically, apparently just knew how to do it. Makes no sense. Yeah, I don't just know. Just throwing that out there. Like, I'm not irritated about it. I'm just like, well. Just unexplained. Like, Maybe they bonded with it, but even Avatar bonded with it and was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, I guess if you mm. if you pet it, then you must not fly it, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the lo- that's the logic yeah. there, right? Okay, <laughs> um, dude, that's such a good point. Man, yeah, I don't know. It's like in Star Wars with Rey, how like just this girl from nowhere who lived her life like as like a poor girl on a on, like broken down area all of a sudden she just knows how to speak Chewbacca's language like where did you learn like how wiki where did you learn wiki like you just you just looked at it and just knew it you know what I mean so like that's how I could correlate that I guess but yeah watch rise of the Skywalker <coughs> podcast we <laughs> yeah, we have some questions on that but here's a, here's another thing though I feel like this is the moment when John flies the dragon and is able to hop on top of Rhaegal, I think this is the moment Danny falls in love with him because she realizes it kind of almost goes back to the whole power, sex is power thing. Like he's powerful enough to ride this dragon. No one else could. No one else can ride this dragon except no one else for has her. tried. Who else tried to hop on the back? Like, because it's been nice knowing you. Like, like, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, I wouldn't say that. Like, no one else has been able to. No one else has been given the chance. Like, who knows? Maybe Darren Harris could have ridden the dragon. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. Like, you just never. No one's ever tried. No yeah. one's ever wanted to. I don't. I don't blame. Him. I don't, like. If I see a big ass dragon, like, I'm not the first one to be like, yeah, I'm gonna try that. Like, if I see other people do it, cool, I'll do it. But I'm yeah. not gonna be like, I'll be the first one to try because I might be the first one to die. So <laughs> that actually raises a good point. <laughs> you think of that. But well, she says something to him. Well, they he, get to this cave. You want to take it from here? Yeah, I'll say that with that quote. I like because I, I like this one. Mm-hmm. Go for it. John tells her, you know, it's cold up here for a southern girl. And Danny replies, "So keep your queen warm." And I was like, "Ooh, a little spicy." Okay, a dirty. okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. I was like, "That was a line and a half." Mm-hmm. 
Man. I actually was going to say another quote. Oh, my fault. <laughs> you want to get you no, that? Was, that was really funny. Like that was I, next I, for me, yeah. No, that was funny because, uh, you know, me and you take these notes and they, like, complement each other. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, you know, she said, we could stay a thousand years and no one would find us. Like, it goes to show almost like she would sacrifice everything for him. But then we find out later, yeah. you know? Like yeah. what? What's with the, that? That was her destiny. Like, you know, her whole thing was like about destiny and taking lives, but I don't think she would have ever sacrificed that. I mean, I but, get it, but it's. Um, I and cool. I, and I know she loved Drogo. Like I know that, but at the same time, I think she felt the way for John. She's never felt about anybody. You know what's funny? I think the exact opposite. I think that she loved Khal Drogo more than she loved John. It, it's it's really weird. Although, like the the one argument you could use against that is that you know the Cal Drogo marriage was forced on her like she didn't choose she chose to hook up with John and be with John she didn't choose Cal Drogo but she learned to love him in a very deep way sex um, is power remember when I've been bringing that up <laughs> so, so I just I think that he loved I think she loved Cal Drogo more than anything because she even brings him up again uh, later on when her and Sansa tr- like, try to talk out their differences and get some headway before Sansa has to be a an annoying lady <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um yeah so I, I don't know but that, that, this this is what so that quote really didn't resonate with me in terms of she would give up everything for john what that quote resonated me that you just said because i remember watching even though i didn't write it down i remember it mm-hmm. to me that was almost like a wink back to john's time with egret because remember she had he had egret in the cave and said let's let's never let's never leave like let's, yeah. let's never leave this cave john snow so that was almost kind of like that because they had that cave moment and he, she's like we could stay here for a, a thousand years and no one would find us like so it's kind of like very similar it was like a it was like a full circle you know john's women like the caves i guess <laughs> Wait, what you bring up a good point then let's let's opposite the fact right okay remember like he says in charlie and the chocolate factory reverse that <laughs> i'm just kidding so do you think this is the moment john fell in like i you do have that moment in season seven we talked about mm-hmm. where he's like danny uh, but do you think this is the true moment then thinking back to ingrid where he almost sees like something in her based off of ingrid and really falls in love with her at this moment mm-hmm. interesting right it's interesting i think john's love danny uh i think when he she came back and like saved them from like you know she made it there in time and saved yeah everybody from the dead and like pulled it like they when he came to uh and he was laying in the bed uh you know had all those stab wounds so she kind of saw him at like his purest form there and she pledged to fight for the north even without him bending the knee like i think that was probably a time because like remember he goes to her room she doesn't go to his right like, on that I- one so Completely agree. Be good. Yeah. Or, or take a shot. That might, <laughs> <laughs> no, take but, a shot. Um, malice in the chalice, baby. Go on malice in the chalice time. Mm. Yeah, so maybe that could have been the point where lust turned into love. I don't know, man. But I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something it was something to consider for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so then after I, the, the other quote that we just gave too. Uh, next thing I have down is Gendry forging dragons. <laughs> yeah, about to go down. It's going down for real. 
Okay, I'll let you take it. Now, I don't have any big quotes here because I didn't think they were really? super. Really? I didn't think they were super important, but I did say, like, I just said, Gendry forging weapons like of Dragonglass. He makes the Hound his axe, and the Hound, like, in, is insulting him. You know, then Arya makes her presence known, but I'm assuming you've got, like, the insults and everything that he, like, said to Gendry. Actually, uh, well... Because I do have here. I do have the the quotes of what Arya said to the Hound after like when she kind of made her presence known. Yeah, I but do actually have that. I have that, but I didn't have like what like how the Hound was insulting Gendry, what he was saying to him, just because I didn't think it was that important. The Hound insults everybody. Like yeah. that's just what he does, yeah. right? I don't know, but if you uh, have those quotes, go for it. But if not, like yeah, I, I don't I think they're that important. I do. I was actually thinking of episode two. Oh, gotcha, minute. gotcha. But yeah, I do because you know I have everything. Um, but the biggest thing I have here is when Arya and the Hound. Yeah, that's one I've got too. Yeah, I'll let you take yeah. that. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> I, and it's so funny because like my first my first bolt point here is like this is the first time Arya and the Hound see each other since Arya left him to die, and literally the, the first thing that the Hound says to her is that you left me to die, and Arya replies, first I robbed you," <laughs> and the Hound says, "You're a cold little bitch, aren't you? Guess that's why you're still alive." <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Do you think... Are you going to ask me if he's got feelings for Arya? No, no, no that wasn't what I was going to uh, say. I never thought that. <laughs> never thought that. Let's get that yeah. real. That, that's... Well, then again, you say that's messed up, but then let's go back to Ser Jorah. Right. His age difference is something interesting. True. Uh, but my point is, I kind of think the Hound sees a little bit of himself in Arya. Yes, 100%. I agree with that. I even think he kind of takes a little bit of a father role for Arya. Like he kind of like mm-hmm. has like a parental type of of role because like it doesn't see he doesn't he say at some point like when Arya's talking to him here um, about him fighting Brienne like he was saying like I was trying to protect you like you know like uh, I, I I was yeah you know so and I I love uh, I didn't put this quote down but one thing I was thinking of was you know what he's telling Arya like you know you're a survivor like you're a I forgot what he said. It was something like you're, you're a mean little bitch yeah. <laughs> or something just like that. You're a cold little bitch, aren't cold you? Cold little bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And said, guess that's why you're still alive. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's kind of like, remember when he was saying, was it season three? Where he was like, use a fucking great Serial oh. Pharrell. <laughs> yeah, no, that was. Use a fucking great sword. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. No, that I don't, I think that was season four. Because, season four because it was okay, before Arya went to because like that was ex- almost exactly when Brienne found them uh, it was mm-hmm. like a little bit before uh, she did that a little bit before um, Brienne found them which but, is yeah. funny because everyone's gonna binge all our episodes and be like I can't believe you didn't know what season it was yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. it's hard to keep it straight after a while mm-hmm. but um yeah, so Arya and Gendry see each other for the first time since Melisandre took him. Like these, these are like the things where we said there's a lot of full circle moments. Everything's kind of coming together all over again. People reuniting for the first time in years, you know, because when Melisandre took Gendry, this is like back when Sansa Baratheon was still at Dragonstone. He hadn't even gone to the Wall to help out John and the Night's Watch yet. Like yep. so, like this, like this is the last time <laughs> she's seen him in years, you know. So. um it's funny because he razzes her again about being a lady, and they pick on each other a little, a little bit. But Arya asks him to make a special dragonglass we- weapon, and you know what? I th- this is what I thought. I even have in parentheses here. I thought that the weapon she was asking him to make when she drew it and handed it to him, it's reminiscent of the stick that she trained at the Faceless Academy with. 
Yeah. Like like the one where she used to where she was fighting blind against mm-hmm. the wife. Like it was like just a, like a long stick like that. But at least at the end of this one, there was um, dragon glass to like. Yeah, no, that's so badass. I thought it was more. That like, is really. That's a really yeah, good point. I, think was, I didn't even think of that. I think it was supposed to be that. So that's what I I had there. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I have uh, for that. Um, Do you mind if I say something about yeah, that real quick? Yeah, dude. That one thing I was gonna remind everybody. Remember what I was saying. Uh, last episode when Sam was looking through the Citadel. Well, one thing that was actually when I was doing some research, Seaman Sapphire, um, when he looked up, Sam was looking through the Citadel and found the book on the Long Night. So the actual book on the Long Night, remember he pushed the others back to past King's Landing and they built the wall of Bran the Builder. Mm -hmm. So you had Bran the Builder and you had I forgot his name, Casterly, Casto Casterly or whatever. The guy that did Casterly Rock. And then you had Seaman Sapphire. So you had those three. Seaman Sapphire, there's nothing known about him except for he fought in the Night's Watch and fought for justice. And he was completely blind, just like Arya was when she was in the House of Black and White. And he had that exact same stick with the dragon glass attached to it. So it makes you wonder. I don't think they did this for the film, but it really makes you wonder if this was ever brought up later in the books because this is in actually the Song of Ice and Fire history, um, which was written by George R. R. Martin. So it makes you wonder if they ever bring this up in the books later on because Winds of Winter isn't out yet, if that's where Arya gets the idea because there's nothing ever written about him Except for that. The only thing I would say, though, is, like, I don't think Arya would... Because Arya didn't read any of these books, so she didn't know. Yeah. And Sam and Arya, to my knowledge, never had an interaction together. Which, like... But think about, you know, George R. R. Martin is a producer on the show. So he could have been like, hey, I just wanted to let you know this is what you're going to do. But um, it was... I will say this, though. If you're a Star Wars fan, man... It was kind of that whole Star Wars Episode One Darth Maul kind of moment when he had like the first, like the first one came out, and then all of a sudden the second one came out. (laughs) (laughs) It was badass, man. I mean, I'm so sick of seeing swords all the time. Let's see what the girl has in her, and and she is that bad bitch. She is the G O A T. She is the goat. Dude, uh, what's it's just funny because like Gendry still sees her as the girl that he like parted ways with with the Brotherhood Without Banners, right? So like he doesn't know what she's been through, doesn't mm-hmm. know that she's probably the greatest asset that the army has. All Gendry like, ever did was get tortured. Yeah. <laughs> That's really yeah. all he ever did. Exactly. You know, well, made a Gendry, ton of, sorry, correct made a, ton, made a ton of weapons too. But uh, yeah, yeah. So um, the next thing that I have, you know, outside of that. Lord Glover writes to Sansa, and he tells her that he and his men are staying in Deepwood Mont, but in, they wish him good fortune in the war to come. Mm-hmm. So why I thought that was important is because you guys remember, Lord Glover decided not to join Jon on the battlefield against Ramsay for the Battle of the Bastards. He like they tried to get him and then after like get him to fight with them, and after he refused them, and uh, and Jon Snow won. He came to Winterfell and like begged forgiveness and pledged their sword like from this day until the end of days. You know, Lord Glover will stand behind House Stark, and like 
this little weasel already went back on his word, like <laughs> like the first chance he got, the actual first chance he got when they called all banners back to Winterfell, he'd said that they're keeping their men in Deepwood Mott, which is great point by the way, because yeah. remember when he gave that whole speech vowing to Lady Mormont to support them, yeah, and then next two seasons later, peace, have a good peace, yeah. like that girl that you know breaks up with you like instantly because she found some hot dude. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't happen to me, but. It, I mean, it could happen. You never know. But that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's but that's that's a really good point because, you know, it sparks this kind of argument between John and Sansa. See, I don't, I don't think of it. I don't allude it to that. I don't think that's a good um, correlation. The way I look at it, that's the moment where, you know, somebody, like, does all the work. Then you want to be, like, it's almost like someone gets famous and all of a sudden now you want to be, like, friends with them. It's like one of your friends that you've known and you're like, eh, Whatever. Now all of a sudden they're big and everyone knows their name and they're famous and now they're like, oh man, remember me? Almost like Disney tickets. Like, uh, you know, you have a friend like, like, hey, I haven't talked to you since eighth grade. Hope everything's yeah. good. Can you give me to Disney for free? All the time. Like, so it's all like, the time. It, it's very, very funny. Like to me, that's it's what it was. It's like, okay, we didn't help you out, but now that you are in control of the North, we want to make sure that we're still cool. We're still cool, right? Yeah. And then when like we're, we could be in danger again, it's like, ah, oh, nah, man, you're on your own again. Like, <laughs> like what the heck? That's exactly what it is. But yeah, I don't know. Um, but John says a um, quote here. He says, "House Glover stands by House Stark as we have for a thousand years." And Sansa said, "I will stand behind John." So is what he said. The King in the North. And Sansa says, "You didn't tell me you would abandon your crown." And John says, "I never wanted the crown." So you kind of see the spark back and forth. Sansa's pissed like she's she's pissed um and I think I wonder this and you know we've had this in politics before kind of how you have the vice president that pulls strings on the president do you think it's because and I can go into this further but Sansa felt like she could control John a little bit no I think because if John ended up being well, I guess as of right now, they don't know who John really is. But I, I think that they would have had, if they had defeated Cersei, he could have made, because the whole thing that Sansa wanted was the North to be its own region without being ruled by a southern king or queen. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it was more along the lines of, not that Cersei, she could control John as a king in the North, but like I think it, she all she wanted was the North to be its own kingdom. And now here Danny is threatening that because the North is one of those kingdoms. And, you know, we actually get into that later on when they sit down and talk about it. So so just a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. If Sansa, if there was another queen that came in with more experience as Sansa, and Sansa knew it, it was someone Sansa looked up to, and she said, I want to be queen of Winterfell, and I'm going to, do you think Sansa would have supported it? No. That's no, my point. no, but but the thing is, I don't think that's that's not the issue though. The issue is like this: if if Danny legit said these words, I'm gonna be king of the Seven Kingdoms, but the North, you can you can you can maintain your your independence. Mm-hmm. Sansa's on board immediately. She just did not want 
like anyone to be, have control or dominion over the north because of which all they've I been get through. Because you know, that. yeah. So that's what I think. It's just, <laughs> there's no, there's no. Which she kind of screws over her own brother later yeah. on. No, she sure does. <laughs> she How sure screwed up is that? Does. That's foreshadowing. Yeah, right. but um, yeah. She even John even says she will be a good queen for all of us. She is not her father, and it. Sansa. You know, they kind of go back and forth, and Sansa says, you didn't tell me you were going to abandon your crown. Like, she always has to have the last word. That's what's, It's like a child, right? You keep talking to the child, and no matter what the punishment is, you're grounded or whatever. She always has to have the last word. John says, I told you we needed allies. Sansa, you didn't tell me you were going to abandon your crown. I never wanted a crown. All I wanted was to protect the North. I brought two armies home with me, two dragons, and a Targaryen queen. Do you think we can beat the army of the dead without her? I fought them, Sansa, twice. You want to worry about who holds the title. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. Without her, we don't stand a chance. And it's... it's, Great logic. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like it, it makes sense. You got to this, and she just don't care. But with her being so smart, though, like she's because of all the time she spent from Cersei, she's she's known to almost outsmart the Lannisters. Why can't she pick up on this? Like John isn't doing it just oh, because he loves Danny, but there's other reasons for it. Or we're beating the topic to death because it's the same answer I give you every single time. It's because she doesn't want someone to control the North. She doesn't want anyone to be king or king. That that's the only thing. So the answer is she's selfish. Pretty much. Well, the thing is, is I wouldn't even call it selfish because if you think about it, all that they've done to win back the North, only to have it ruled again by somebody they don't know. It, like I would be like I wouldn't want that to happen either. I think she's letting she's speak like she is more. I don't think it's because it's her own desire. I think she's got the best of interest for the people that she like of the North. I just don't think she's thinking logically. She's thinking like with her emotions. Like no, we've done all this. Like you know, like we've done everything that we could. We we went through all these trials and tribulations, and we're finally all back here. We've got control of our home. Like that's it. Like like no one no one should like you know stomp on her feet. Like no no like we are gonna like we're gonna maintain this. Like you know we didn't fight all of this. Go through all of our struggles just to give up our territory again that we just earned back. So like I, I just think she was thinking more emotionally than logically. I see that. I can see that point. But, yeah, I mean, and so did you, did you have that next part to that? Like, oh, I have all of it. I yeah. Just, yeah, you want me to say it? Sure, if you want, yeah. Um, so. Because you got right. to the part where she, he said that you know, without her, we don't stand a chance. That's the last word that you said. Yep. So. Um, yeah, hold on one second here. Yep. So John says, do you have any faith in me at all? Sansa, you know I do. She'll be a good queen for all of us. She's not her father. No, she's much prettier. Once again, having the last laugh trying to. Did you bend the knee to save the North or because you love her? And what's fucked up about this? Like, John could have answered immediately and, like, save the North, obviously, but, like, he doesn't answer and he doesn't get a chance to answer. Like, it, like something like. Like interrupts them. I think it was both. I think yeah. it was almost more John did love her because he didn't think. I think he did it, it to save the North because remember he was fighting her the whole way at Dragonstone on Dragonstone about it. I think he really truly believed that she was the. Then she it, it's true like without 
without Danny, they don't serve. Well, I don't want to ruin anything. I think but. it was that moment in season seven, though. <clears throat> like you said, I think he saw Danny broken after Viserion died, and I think that was the minute he felt feelings towards her. Yeah. But cool. uh, to to be the full to just to say like I don't, I think the North was always his main goal was to pr- protect the people of the North. I don't think it was because he loved her. Um, I think the, like the love gave it an extra like additive to it. But um, anyways, you know now back to Danny like you know she finds Sam Tarly to reward him for saving Jora, and it's funny because like. Sam, like his big crime, because he, he, you know, he was it's not just too much trouble. I, I'd request a pardon, and she <laughs> said, "For what crime?" And stealing books from the Citadel and the sword, like from his family. I stole some books. <laughs> yeah, I and, stole. And a it was, you know, books. and it was funny because, like, you could see how silly it was. Like, that no one was gonna give a shit about that anyways. Because, like, you know, Danny and Jorah look at each other, and they kind of like do like one of like, like, oh, like, what, what a cute guy. Like, what, what, a, what an adorable boy. You know, <laughs> one of those type of things, like. Um, you know, so she, you know, he wants a pardon for stealing books from the Citadel and stealing, uh, Heartsbane from his father, like the sword that was in, like, their name for generations. Um, and unfortunately we get Not to a really Randall, Tarly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have the, do the quotes? I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't This is just it. off the top of yeah. my head, but yeah. yeah, she says, Not Randall, Tarly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he basically says yes. And he was like, yeah, I mean, you, you know what happened, and she, he she says he refused to bend the knee, and tells him she executes him, and then he says, "Well, at least yeah, that's yeah. Why he's like, well, at least I'll be allowed home, and yeah. my brother is like the Lord of um, uh, Horn Hill," and she goes. <laughs> Your brother stood with your father. <laughs> like how messed up is it? Could you imagine like, finding bro, at, out at that? At that point in time, like he was already fighting back tears for his father, who he like had no love for. Who did, he hated Sam. Like his father, like treated him like shit his entire life. Like he was already having like holding back tears from that. Then learning his brother, who's actually been good to him, died too. Like, dude, that that was heartbreaking. And that's my my exact words on my notes. It said, "Danny tells Sam about the fate of his father and brother." And it elicits a big emotional response from Sam. Like he basically asks, like his like, like, can I leave? Like I, I need to have some space. Um, I mean, you can see <clears throat> Sam really. Sam's broken mm-hmm. here. I mean, this is just like you know, if you've ever lost a family member, but he he finds it out so fast, and even worse, like you know, he was he was really respectful to Danny. He was even like my queen, and she said. Is this the person that you know? Are you the, are you the maester that saves Sir Jorah? There's got to be something I can do to reward you. AKA kill your family. <laughs> kill your family, uh, and man. it goes to show, you know, no matter how broken your family is, you always have love for your family. Yeah, couldn't put it better. Yeah, true. But yeah, now Sam goes outside to get that air, and he sees Bran. And Bran tells him that he's waiting for an old friend. Like, what are you doing out here? He's like, waiting for an old friend. Who do, you think, friend. who do you think he was <laughs> referring to, Sam? Or do you think he was referring to somebody else? Because I have it who I think he's referring to. But I just want to know your thoughts on it. Because when he said that, when he came outside and he's like, what are you doing out here? And Bran said, waiting for an old friend. Who do you think he was talking about? Jamie. That's why. I was doing. <laughs> oh, yep. bing, bang. 100%. I don't think he, like, bang, I, bang. I don't think it was supposed to, like, I think it was meant to mess with the audience and them thinking like, oh, like he knew Sam was gonna be there. Yeah. So like, uh, but here's the question: Was Jamie wasn't even a friend though? 
but like that, that's the funny part is that like it's ironic yeah that's you know? what i was thinking um <laughs> so I, that's why i 100 percent think that he was wait because he you know it shows in the next episode you know exactly uh, i'll let you take it from here man episode, this is your moment full yeah. circle from I here i love big full circle here so um you know because here's the thing is like they led us to believe that bran was waiting for sam because they pick up the conversation about john's heritage he goes <laughs> you know uh bran tells sam he needs to tell john the truth uh, you know, and then, you know, like, <laughs> Sam says, well, you're his brother. Shouldn't you tell him? <laughs> and uh, Bran said, I'm not, because he's not really his brother. <laughs> like, and that's, right. so that's that's the one thing. And he says, he trusts you more than anyone. Now's the time. So it, it was crazy. So Sam goes to see John in the crypt, which is, you know, the first time they see each other since Sam left to the Citadel. So we got another, you know, big reunion here. And, like, yeah, he, he even how cute is Sam? Like, just like, like adorable little baby Sam. Because not like not the actual child. I just think Sam is like a big baby. Because, the baby face. Because man. there's anything. <laughs> because remember, he goes down there. And he, he like instead of uh, you know going to hug Johnny, he like apologizes. Like I know I know I'm not supposed to be down here in the crypts. Like it's just like bro, you you literally are my best friend. You be wherever the heck you want. Like yeah, and John <laughs> was even like, yeah, yeah, did you read every book in the Citadel yeah, already? Yeah, he, like he's happy to see him. Yeah, he. I uh, gave him a big old hug, and um, so Sam. At this point, I don't have the entire. Qu- I'm sure you have the quotes of like <laughs> what was said, right? Because yeah, I, I do. So what I what I'll say what I put is Sam tells John the truth about his lineage. Yeah. So telling him the truth about his lineage does a lot of does a lot of things. Like number one, we talked about this before we started. Like it was very interesting because John like kind of just accepts the news like yeah it makes sense makes complete sense that i'm <laughs> the heir to the iron throne out of knowing my whole life but no like uh that's it's one of those things that like i feel like he was in shock more than like he just fully accepted it because he, he did have like that, that staggering back like trying to get away from sam type of deal but at the end like he asked you know where you learn the information and he told him brand saw it in like one of his visions so like he knows the evidence is pretty solid. His, like he knows Sam to be like a like a truthful person that he was not going to lie to him, and he also knows that Brand sees everything. So I, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I think this is one of those things though. They built this up so much, so when we found out, the realistic reaction is kind of more like John. Like you're taking it back, but I don't really know if it's the truth. But they built this up so much. We wanted this huge reaction. Almost like, no, I'm not. Let me find this out. Like, what's going on? It, it, this is a huge deal. And we kind of just got this thing where John stands there. Like, he's like, what What the fuck are you talking about? Like, he just stands there looking at him. Well, he said, like, you're telling me my father, the most honorable man that I've known, lied to me all my life. Mm-hmm. Right? I actually got the quote. Do yeah. you mind if I quote that? Take it. So Sam goes down trembling, you know, shaking, kind of goes up to John. And after they said their hellos and everything, Sam goes, Daenerys, she executed my father and my brother. They were prisoners. She didn't tell you. John, completely silent, just completely took a shot. <laughs> just sits there. I'm so sorry. We need to end this war. Would you have done it? John, I've executed men who disobeyed me. You've also spared men, is what Sam says. 
thousands of wildlings when they refused to kneel. John, I wasn't king. Sam, but you were. You've always been. I gave up my crown, Sam. I bent the knee. I'm not king of the north anymore. Sam, I'm not talking about the king of the north. I'm talking about the king of the bloody seven kingdoms. And that's when John stops for a minute. Like, what What are you talking about? And John gets almost offended at this minute. And, and Sam goes, Bran, I, I worked out. Bran and I worked out. Yeah. Bran and I worked yeah. out. Bran and I had High Septum's Diary. And he's, like, stuttering as he's talking because he's so shaken up. Because he's talking out of emotion here. John's like, what are, what are you talking about? Do your little John accent. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, your mother was Lyanna Stark, and your father, your real father, was Rhaegar Targaryen. You've never been a bastard. You are Aegon Targaryen and, and, and are heir to the Iron Throne. I'm sorry. I know it's a lot to take in. My father, my father was the most honorable man I've ever met. You're saying he lied to me all my life? No, your father. Well, Ned Stark, he promised your mother he would always protect you, and he did. Robert, he would have murdered you if he knew. You, the true king, Aegon Targaryen, sixth of his name, protector of the realm, all of it. And and this is the moment where you're kind of taken aback, and, and you're like, wow. Did John really just take all that in? Yeah, you know. I would have liked a little better inflection when he said that. So he's like, he's like, your father, well, your father, Ned Stark. There you go. That's, that's good. That's yeah, that's, that's how he did it. But your uh, father, <laughs> well, Ned Stark. Yeah, but um, yeah, and like I said, he kind of like staggers back, like like he kind of like looks down and he has his mouth open and he's trying to pro. Like you can see the wheels return. He's trying to process the information and like I don't know. There's I don't know if there's another quote that you have before I wrote my quote down, but the quote that I have. Um, Beef, like right after that is, uh, you gave up your crown to save your people. Would she do the same? Yep. That's what I. Is That's that what you have really, next? Cool. Yeah, I have. John says, Daenerys. Daenerys is our queen. Oh, you're right. And then he says, Well, she shouldn't be. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's treason. Yeah. And then the, it, it, Sam goes, It's truth. And then you have your quote. You yeah. Say your quote, your quote. Ah, that's, that's yeah. You, you gave up your crown to save your people. Yeah. Would she do the same? Mm-hmm. You know. And, and which is which yeah. is actually really true. Like honestly, the best you know leaders and kings and queens are, pe- are people who normally don't want to be. Like, right. They, they they just like you know. So, anyways, uh. What we see here now, Tormund and the survivors from each East Watch, they arrive at the last hearth to find it in ruins. And as they're walking around, they like kind of hear they can hear something. So they like kind of get all braced up for a quick like little uh, scuffle, if you will. And they come across a corner, and boom, they run into uh, Dolores Ed and the survivors from Castle Black. And so, you know, he's, they, they asked me, did you find anything? And unfortunately, <laughs> they did. So uh, Ed takes them to the Great Hall. And we see small Ned Umber staked through the heart, pinned to the wall, while other body parts, like, are pinned around him, making the White Walkers formation and sign. Which, again, that never gets explained. I'll complain about that more in the summary. But that same, it's the same sign that we saw from Season 1 that, like, after, like, mm-hmm. when the... Two, like this, like the exact opening is the opening scene where we see the White Walkers take the guy's head off, and like you know what they saw, uh, they saw like that big formation, 
Um, the same formation. And we saw it again at the Fist of the First Men with the horses' bodies. We saw that same formation again. They never explained it. But anyways, you got to see that same formation on the wall with that little freaking boy, which is kind of heartbreaking, this eight-year-old stabbed to the heart, pinned up against the wall, dead while other people's body parts are just pinned on there around him. Which my question is, like, what in the fuck were the White Walkers doing where they just had the time, like, hey, <laughs> let's go find some nails and some hammers and just, uh, ding, 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 ding. Like, what in yeah. the fuck? <laughs> and here's another question, because Tormund at one point says it's a it's a sign from the Night King. Like, did they just pin him up there and go all the way to King's Landing and run back? Like, what were they doing? How did that get there? He just pinned his ass up there and then... Stupid fly. Dude, leave it alone. <laughs> Anyways, they just pinned his ass up there and then came all the way back from King's Landing to pass the wall where they were at originally. Wait, King's that, Landing? The White Walkers aren't Or not King's, King's Landing. Landing. Where you at? Winterfell. So, Winterfell, you go all the way back to where you just passed the wall after you pinned him up to the wall? Does that make so, any sense? I think this is what happens. So, they break through the wall, right? The army of the dead. They break through the wall. The last hearth is like the first house like the first major house that's closest to us. They've got to go through the last hearth to get to Winterfell. So that's what happened. They came down, they did their shit at the last hearth, and then they started making their way towards Winterfell. Got it. So that's where it is, like, map-wise. This scene you, is you see, horrifying, it by just, the way. It just sucks. Like, dude, like, but, but, <laughs> I, I, want, I want my so question horrifying. answered. What army of the dead people were like, hey, let's grab a hammer and some nails and ding, 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 ding. Let's get all these. Because if you, if you see it, and you see it, you can some see like the good. stakes through the people's body parts. Like, they've got like like parts of arms and legs on there. You know, you've got to take the time to nail all that in. Like the army of the dead is supposed to be brainless and mindless. Like you tell me the Night King is like, hey, guys, give me about 20 minutes. I'm about to go pin some arms and legs up. I'll be right with you. Have right you ever seen fuck? South Park, by the way? No, I haven't. <laughs> There's this guy. He's like, okay, let's go and pin some nails up there. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, like, like how are they going to? Who's who's like the builder? <laughs> who's who's the, who's the carpenter of Brand the night the of the fucking like the, the army of the dead? Like like hey hey Wallace, you want you want to get that hammer nails and put the body parts up there? Like you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't make sense because like these are armies of the dead. They're supposed to be mindless outside of the Night King himself and maybe the generals, but like. Like I said, what they do, like, hey, let's just pause. You take a quick break on our walk, and we'll just nail some body parts. Well, here's my problem. How the fuck did they get in the building, and no one knew, and then they walked all the way back out of it? Like, someone explain that. They go all the way in the castle. No one knows. Pin him to the wall, and then someone leaves. Like, explain that. I don't understand your question. Where Barrack and Tormund were, Uh wherever they were at, how did they get all the way in there, Pin him to the wall, leave, and go back to where they already were so there was time between the long night and now. Does that make sense? Like, they, like why wouldn't they just keep pushing forward? Because that would be closer well, they, than where they're at. So they did. Well, because keep in mind, like, when uh, when Ed and Tormund are talking, they're like, listen, if, like, if we have horses... We can probably make it to Winterfell before the, the army of the dead. Okay, so, so like, they were already there, but... Weren't they in like a building or something? It was like a building yeah, or something. Yeah, it, it was like the Great Hall. It was like the, it was like the Great Hall for the Umbers. But did they? Yeah, but, but I guess I'm not understanding the question. They, they my just, point is they like killed, they killed everyone in all the buildings and houses. They just killed everyone. Yeah, but my point here's my point. Why wouldn't they just keep walking? They chose to decide to walk in and pin him to the wall, walk out, and then keep going where they were going. Like you wouldn't even stop there. I you think, see my point? Like they decided to 
pin a picture to the wall inside some random ass house and keep walking. Like they have no mind. They're That's not well, a mind obviously person. The, the, the Night King is. Uh, the Night King has been shown he's able to think. Like obviously with the way he rides the dragon, he's got to do certain maneuvers. How he makes it like all gusty and windy in the long night, so the dragon's flying can't okay. So like, the Night King has at least some semblance of being a real human, and like so, and then that almost like you kind of start to see that even back in um, Hard Home episode in Hard Home where they mm-hmm. see that like the Night King looks down and like is almost like intrigued by Jon Snow because he sees like Jon Snow could possibly be a threat and. Because uh, when he killed his general, like with the, the long claw, he, he like right. he like is like, oh, so like mm-hmm. he's definitely like a thinker, like he he knows what he's doing. But then my my guy just, you know, if you're trying to kill out, because like, that's the biggest thing, like they're they're coming for everyone, they want everyone to die. So yeah, they ransacked the whole place, and I'm sure people were hiding in buildings to not <laughs> be out in the open when the dead came. So the dead have to go in the buildings to kill them. So probably while they were there and killed them, they're like, all right, well. Let's you know while we're in here. I just don't know. I just yeah. I just don't under that. My biggest question is like, who the heck is the carpenter for the the army of the dead? Like, I, I, I guess the Night King did yeah, it. You know, yeah, he finding Viserion, he put on his snorkel gear, well, all the way to the bottom, got the chains, yeah. and then he had this carpenter mm-hmm. gear to nail them to the wall yeah. so he could be the next. What was the guy's name? Not Van Gogh. Who's the Bob? You know, Bob the painter or whatever with the big afro. Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, though, yeah, but, a nice, beautiful uh, arrangement here. <laughs> like, yeah, but, but this yeah. scene is horrifying, though. You have the blood, yeah. and then what happens? You have that yeah. big streak. Ah! Yeah. Ned Umber, that's actually really good. Now, Ned Umber Thanks. comes back as a white, and Beric stabs him and burns him, making the symbol rise up in flames too, which was kind of pretty cool. And then the last thing that we see before we close out episode one is we see Jamie arrive in Winterfell, and he lays eyes on Bran in fear. As they see each other for the first time since Jamie pushed him out of the window in season one. Yeah. Like, That's pretty badass. Um, so, yeah. And then, so. Yeah, I mean. Episode two is uh, A Night in Seven Kingdoms. This is kind of a big. So, let's see here. Definitely a big full circle episode. It is. It is indeed. Let me find my little place that I was. Do, 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 do. Yeah, we can push to this one. We'll give you episode two. We'll make yeah. it through it. So I'm trying to find where my... There it is. There it is. But I want to make sure. I've so right Jamie's there. standing in front of the people of the Winterfell. And Danny has a big monologue here. Got it. Do you yeah, mind I if I say it. the monologue or you want to do it? Uh, oh, go ahead. Okay. She says, when I was a child, my brother would tell me a bedtime story about the man who murdered my father who stabbed him in the back and cut his throat, who sat down on the Iron Throne and watched as his blood poured onto the floor. He told me other stories as well about all the things he would do to that man once we took back the Seven Kingdoms and had him in our grasp. Your sister pledged to send her army north. Jamie, she did. I don't see an army. I see one man with one hand. It appears your sister lied to me. Yep. Now we have a problem. We sure do. And Jamie tells her of Cersei's deception and how she used the moment to acquire 20,000 fresh troops and 2,000 fresh horses. Um, 
you know, and you know, so she has to go, well, why are you here? He said, I promise to fight for the living. I intend to keep that promise. Um, and then here we go again. Tyrion's been made to look real stupid as of late. Like, bro, Tyrion, <laughs> Tyrion had the idea of, um, you know, ferrying uh, the Sand Snakes back from Dorne to have, you know, the um, Dornish and then Highgarden attack King's Landing. You know, Tyrion had that idea. Well, he got outsmarted in Dorne because Euron Greyjoy, you know, is a badass fighter at sea. And then he got outsmarted again at Casterly Rock because they just gave up the their home and he didn't think that would happen and they burned all their ships. So and then now Tyrion told you can encourage Danny to trust Cersei. Like Tyrion's made some real big mistakes and he's been made to look real stupid as of late, which is interesting because he's actually like really, really smart. But even before that he made mistakes in Marine. They're trying to promise the slavers, like, yeah. We'll give you seven more years of slavery before you come up with a new system and make yourself some money. And that came back to bite him in the ass, too. Like, he's been made to look real dumb, where when he was handed the king, and when uh, Joffrey was king, and Tywin gave him that letter, he was awesome in his role. He did a really great job. And then, like, I thought, you know, well, you know what? He's just used to how his civilization is, so he's not good at ruling in Marine because he doesn't know the people. So that makes sense. But now... Over here, he's getting his ass kicked by <laughs> Cersei and Jamie and and uh, you know, this is it's just funny how he's been looking really, really silly lately. And it, it really is starting to break Danny's trust with Tyrion because mm-hmm. it, it, I mean he's put all his she's she's sided with him multiple times. Like, I'm gonna take your side on this and we're gonna do it your way. Yeah. And it's is it twice now he's already gotten outsmarted? Because you had where Alaria and the Greyjoys, yeah, Dorn, Dorn, and then Castle Rock was and twice. Castle Rock, and that was twice. Third. Yeah, and third. Like, third. Tr- so, yeah, she's gonna bring her troops north. We can trust her. Not <laughs> like, like it, can you even say he's being a good hand at this point? Like he's fucked up three times. Yeah, I know. Like you fucked up the midterm and, and the final. And it's exam. not even like small fuck ups too, dude. They lost the majority of the Dornish army and like their three, all of their leaders. All the Sand Snakes are now dead or captured. Like, so we lost Dorne. All of Highgarden got fucked up. We lost Olenna. Like, dude, he's cost them, like, big key houses and players in this war. Like, think like, about it. Like, honestly, this sounds very rough. But when you're in that position, it's like the vice president. You know what you're taking on. Yeah. Alaria, Tyen, Obara, and Nymeria's death is on him. Mm-hmm. And Olenna. And Olenna, and Olenna, like, like that's all on him. Yeah, he because like, that's what he did. He marched all the Lannister army to High Garden instead of staying and trying to hold Castle Rock. That's what Jamie did. So like, dude, he's been getting fucked mm-hmm. up. Like, and I do want to read this quote by Jamie real quick, uh, right before you said that, just because it shows, like, how screwed over they're like how screwed the Lannister screwed them. <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but Jamie says. She lied to me as well. She never had any intention of sending her army north. She has Euron Greyjoy's fleet and 20,000 fresh troops. The Golden Company from Essos bought and paid for. Even if we defeat even if we defeat the dead, she will have more than enough to destroy the survivors. Like think of how bad the Lannisters have screwed her. Which let's put a like let's put an asterisk star next to that because Remember what I told you yesterday about like the size of her army when things happen? 
So like right there, you said you have more than enough to destroy the survivors. Then we see what happens at King's Landing. Like we'll 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 get there when we get yeah, there. Yeah, like, exactly. Dude, like like mm-hmm. that's a really like that's like, so basically you know, the land, Jamie's full of shit. Or I don't know, man. But or Tyrion, um, like you should have taken King's Landing right there. Well, that's, that's what, what I, we always I, talk about. You know, I told you in my re- I'll tell you when we do a rewrite in the summer, man. <laughs> I'm gonna make a lot of you. Really, you guys are gonna wish that I wrote the series. So. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, so then I uh, Bran uses Jamie's words against him because remember, like the, right, this is a full circle moment. Back in season one, right before Jamie pushed Bran out the tower window, mm-hmm. he looked at Cersei and said, "The things I do for love," and tossed him out the window. And Bran right here looks at him, and Bran says, "The things we do for love." Like it just used his own words against him eight yeah. years later, which is kind of dope. But then we have Brienne. She vouches for Jamie, which is pretty nice. I mean, I didn't. I, that's wasn't really taken back by that. It seems pretty normal. They have mutual respect for each yeah. other. And the thing is, like, they really would need Jamie. Not so much because he's a good warrior anymore. He's not the best fighter. He's got one hand. He's kind of half of what he normally like was. But the thing is, he's got a lot of experience commanding forces. So like, that's that's the biggest thing. Like, he's a good leader on the battlefield, even though he pledges himself to like fight underneath Brienne. But at the end of the day. Like he has a good mind for it, because remember when they came up on uh, the phrase when they were trying to retake River Run from uh, Brendan the Blackfish. Right. He he's like, we just came up uncontested. He's like, and remember Bron Bron said that funny line. He's like, good thing we're friends, or we'd be fucking you in the ass right now. <laughs> like like <laughs> this straight, straight up. So I do want to say this too, because at this moment you're starting to see Danny is questioning whether Tyrion is sticking up for his family. And making decisions to save his family. And I do want to read this quote real quick because it proves it. I think we knew that, but yeah. <laughs> but Wait, I go mean, ahead, go ahead. What does it say? Tyrion says, Your Grace, I know my brother. And Danny says, Like you knew your sister. And Tyrion said, He came here a long way knowing full and well he'd be received. How he'd Why, be received. How he'd yeah. be received. Why would he do that if he weren't telling the truth? Perhaps he trusts his little brother to defend him right up to the moment he slits my throat. <laughs> and But it's, it's, it's showing she's questioning whether or not she can even trust her own hand. Yeah. And, well, I mean, think about it. All the times he's failed, like, he's failed over and over and over again. And if you were a good hand, though, why wouldn't um, you... I get it. I completely agree. I don't think innocence should die. But if you're a good hand, wouldn't you strategically give the best option to get a victory? The thing is, like, like really, Tyrion's thoughts, those were good ideas if those opponents did what he anticipated them to do. The thing is, is, like, they didn't do what he anticipated. Like, it, that was a really good plan to go to Dorne and bring them back and then have uh, Highgarden come down and kind of be, like, the hammer and the anvil on King's Landing without even having to use a Dothraki or the Unsullied. Because mm-hmm. it's like Westeros fighting against Westeros. Like, we've got two big houses that declared for a foreign queen. Because that was the biggest thing, is they didn't want it to seem like this foreign queen's coming over to take over their lands with, like, foreign soldiers. Like, like hey, no, there's people here in Westeros that want her to be queen, too. So that way, like, it would make the ones who are on the fence side more towards her. So, like, they're good plans. They just got, they, he just got outsmarted. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Like, but, um, anyways, another thing I want to mention, too, is Sansa just, like, peeps up out of nowhere like 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 she kind of like uh undermines danny a little bit and like basically yeah it goes back to the whole like she's threatened by danny i would say like i I, yeah she's trying to show that she still has power here in the Mm -hmm. north and so like 
she jumps up and says, well, you know, I, I know Brienne. Like, she's she's like the most honest person, loyal person I've ever met. So, like, yeah, if you if you vouch for him, Brienne, like, I'm in. Like, and Danny's like, bitch, no one asked you to talk. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sitting exactly. here trying to make, I'm the queen. Yeah. I'm trying to make a decision. But she's like, she gets like, Sansa, look. And then, like, and then finally, like, uh, she looks over at uh, John and she's like, what, what, is, what do you think? Mm-hmm. They asked John his opinion. And John's like, I think we can eat every man that we can get. Yeah. Yeah, you know? And, so, and, and she's pissed. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because like then Sansa disrespects Danny again by like when they stand up, Danny le- or, like uh, Sansa leaves first. Yeah, like 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 you're supposed to like wait for the queen to make the move, and Sansa just gets up and just walks, and she looks after him, and then like she looks to John to be like, "Yo, you better get your sister." And John won't even meet her gaze. John looks mm-hmm. right down and walks straight out yeah. too, because at this point in time, he now knows who he really is, and he hasn't figured out how this is gonna all work out, and he's been trying to avoid. Danny and I think a lot of it too is he's kind of grossed out because he realized he's been hooking up with a relative of his because you think about it all the times that she's tried to come on to him after he found out who he is he couldn't he he was never in the mood like he could never do right, it exactly like he could never do it yeah because that's like, not their remember, thing remember in season five episode five of the mm-hmm. season like in when she's she has the quote let it be fear then because like when yeah. they were trying she was trying to get him there like he couldn't do it like he was trying to like you know Get hot. So I think it's like he's kind of grossed I, out. I think that's what it is too. Because remember, the Targaryens didn't care. Yeah, that, they, they, they've been marrying in their family for generations. Which, which that is, goes to a point. Like I don't see why it would even matter if they got married because Cersei and Jaime start fucking. But like, like no one cares. But the thing is, is like the, the words Varys says. It's funny because this is this is after. This is again, guys, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But remember, Varys says like, is marrying your relative a common thing in the North? trying to get Tyrion to realize like yo our proposed marriage between Jon and Danny isn't going to work like you mm-hmm. know like that's why like his exact words like is marrying your relatives common in the north no it's not so like that, I think that had a lot to do with it is that he's kind of like grossed out and like he because I don't believe they ever they ever get intimate again like outside of like some forced kissing they never get intimate again until the last time you see Jon and Danny together on screen which we won't get into yet but yeah um, I think that also goes into brokenness and trust for each other which we'll talk about later but um that you know and then brianne kind of comes up well brianne we already did brianne we already did how she vouched for jamie she vouched for jamie there's a big quote here though (laughs) (laughs) but you know i'm a quote guy but this actually is a pretty big monologue because it goes to show this is how jamie winds up getting sansa's support that's what I'm saying. Like, like you know, she vouched for him, and sounds like, hey, listen, I trust Brienne. So, like, if, she, if you're cool with her, you're cool with me. It was kind of that way, but there is a big point well, here. And the big point here is, so I'll skip over part of well, the big monologue. Yeah, tell me what. Like, go ahead and do it. But here's the big quote: is it, it's it's ironic almost. And so Brienne sticks up and says, "You don't know me well, Your Grace, but I know Sir Jamie." He's a man of armor. I was one. I was his captor once. But when we were both taken prisoner and the man holding and tried to face themselves on me, force so themselves, force on, themselves me. on me, Jamie defended me and lost his hand because of it. Without him, my lady, you would not be alive. He armed me, armored me, and sent me to find you and bring you home because he sworn an oath to your mother. And I got more here, and then I'm going to tell you. Uh, Brienne. Uh, Sansa basically says, you know, do you trust this person? Brienne says, I do. Sansa, you would fight beside him. I would. And I'm looking for this big quote, actually, from Jamie. 
at this point. And uh, actually, sorry, it was right before. Let me go to it because it's a very big uh, full circle moment from Jamie. Um, and do, 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 do. of course I just had it and then you know that moment you lose it <laughs> here it is so Jamie says because this goes beyond loyalty this is about survival and he looks at Brienne remember when she says this goes beyond loyalty houses and oaths in season 7 and it's something he stole from her but at this point too I think Danny is starting to side with Jamie a little bit, which Sansa is the only reason she comes around. But because, you know, they were forcing herself on Brienne, almost like how Jamie was raped, uh, how Danny was raped and defiled, he forced her off. And then also, Brienne says Sansa owes Jamie a debt because of what the oath was with Catelyn. So I think that's where both of them at this point decide to let Jamie stay, um, live, much less stay at this point. That's why that's important. I can see like one of the two of those things because no one saved uh, Danny from getting raped. <laughs> so it's an interesting correlation. No, but, but um, remember that's what kind of drove her to be what she was. Yeah. Um, so after that, the whole room scene, and we go back out to uh, Arya, she goes to the forge and sees Gendry, who's, like, really hard at work. And it looks like she's a little warm for his form. Like, she's, like, like almost licking her lips, like, hey, look at that boy. Like, yeah, look at that buff guy with the, uh, the, the hammer in his hands there. Trying so, to get her fuck on. Dude, she definitely was giving him the eyes. That's, that's for Get my fuck on. Um, so... Gendry is trying to talk Arya into not fighting, which is hilarious to everyone who's been watching this series because Arya is like probably if you know if you think about it, maybe outside John, I guess, like the best fighter there is, and you know you can make an argument that she's better than John, you know. So it's just really interesting how because Gendry doesn't know when Gendry left her, she was this small little girl who wasn't afraid of anything. But, like, she couldn't really do anything and couldn't defend herself or save, like, anybody. Uh, you know, she was, a, she was a small child, basically. And so he never really, he'd never seen her growth. And so um, they, uh, she, he tries to talk her into not fighting and to stay in the crypts. And he doesn't realize, like I said, doesn't realize that he's not the same girl, she's not the same girl he knew back then or how important she's about to be. So for, I think for my biggest thing, you know, because we're about to get into a really big, uh, big quote here, which could really catapult our opinions for season eight and like the ending. But she has to almost like prove herself, which is ridiculous because she's been proving herself like the, this entire time, right? So she goes like over and they're they're talking about like making her weapon, asking to be made. And he's like, "Well, I get to it. I got thousands of other weapons." I'm trying to make like you know what you don't even you don't even need one like 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 relax like I got shit to and, do right exactly basically and she's realizes she's gonna have to demonstrate like why hers is important and so like she starts asking him about the the people of the dead like you know like what are they like you know what do they smell like you know what you know what do they signify like what is like you know, how is fighting them you fought some of them and like Gendry's like they they are death that's what they are that is exactly what they are. Trying to get her like kind of scared to realize the serious of the situation, and Arya just kind of shrugs it off, and she says one of the most iconic lines in season eight: 
I know death. He has many faces. I'm looking forward to seeing this one. As she's throwing the dragonglass daggers across the room, not looking, and hitting them all within like an inch of each other, which is super, super awesome. And then she looks at Gendry and he said, My weapon. She says, My <laughs> weapon. He's like, I'll get, I'll get right on it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. I do want to say this because this shows how pissed Danny was at Tyrion for fucking her over, um, for not predicting her family after she founds out, you know, Cersei's betraying them. So there is a big. Uh, moment here of how pissed she is she says either you knew Cersei was lying and let me believe otherwise or you didn't know at all which makes me either think you're a traitor or a fool Tyrion I was a fool Danny, not for the first time like she's pissed Going back to that, like it's, like uh, I'm she surprised she didn't. <laughs> like, like it's not so. It's not like like it's something that we didn't know or wouldn't know. Think like, of this though: if like, you were already. <laughs> If you're in an employment position, you would have probably already fired that person. Yeah, you would have lost your job for sure. Yeah, but I just found it, I just found it funny. It's like we like like that. All that did was just show that she's mad. But like we knew she she's been mad since she's got to the north. Like you know what I mean? That didn't <laughs> really change anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, anyways, after that, uh, you know, <laughs> after Gendry <laughs> tells her, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll get right on it now. You know, now he's got his ass kicked into gear because he realizes, dude, this girl is badass. She just no look put three daggers within an inch of each other without looking at it. <laughs> like, it was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, so anyways, Jamie goes to Bran oh, at the Weirwood tree in the Godswood and apologizes for throwing him from the tower. You know, so, like, that's, I thought that was a pretty cool moment because it's starting to show, this is where I'm building up is... Because I get mad about Jamie's character arc and what they what happens later, so like we're starting to like really we we've already had built up more and more respect for Jamie as it's going on because he's not like that pompous arrogant asshole anymore who just thinks his shit don't stink and he's the best thing since sliced bread because that's exactly how he portrays himself in the first season right now now he's he's sitting there apologizing to a cripple like really like think about how far he's come as an individual. And, you know, even Bran recognizes his change, too. And I think this goes into your point that we've talked about since we started this arc. I think Jamie has a lot of built-up emotions where he is suicidal. And it goes into even what we're going to talk about this season. There's a very significant part that we're not going to talk about as far as spoilers, but... There's a quote he says, you know, I pushed a boy out of a window and made him a cripple for life. And I think that moment that we've gone back to since episode one of season one has haunted Jamie. Just like the whole Kingslayer idea, how everyone thinks he's some badass Kingslayer. And what actually happened? The thing I think is, like, no, no one really thinks he's a badass Kingslayer. They all like they, they sneer at him and like call him that, like basically telling him you've got no honor, like you you held you didn't uphold your oath, like they, they don't they don't call him Kingslayer out of fear or out of respect. They call him Kingslayer as an insult. I think it depends on the person because if if you go back to season one, they were almost calling him Kingslayer because he was. He was Jamie Lannister. He was the one of the greatest swordsmen in Westeros. Bro, I want someone, someone or anyone. You can do it too, Chase. You show me the exact point where you think someone's using the word Kingslayer out of a term of respect for him. Because I didn't see that. I didn't see that at all. All I see is every time someone said Kingslayer, it was an insult to him and his honor and like how he broke his oath and how no one's ever going to trust or take him seriously because he killed his own king. Well, look at Euron. Kingslayer. <laughs> 
that's my. But point. like again, he's that's an insult. Like he's trying to he's trying to insult him. Like he's trying to get underneath his skin because that's what everyone's always says. Like underneath Jamie's skin is Colin Kingslayer, like man without honor. Remember he was in the boiling tub and he told Brienne like the true story about. That's how we learned the real story about how we killed King Eris back when uh, Roose Bolton right, had him exactly. captive. Exactly, that's what. The like literally, like like literally, like that's what they call him. He, it bothers him. That does bother him. Yes, and even back mm-hmm. Tywin. Like we go back even further. Let's go back to when he went to Castry Lock and like Tywin was like carving up that deer or like uh, like like was getting this kind of yeah. deer he's like okay. you know uh, he's like he's like them, when they call you king Sarah, it bothers he says of course it bothers me right like this yeah. like, I, like i don't think it's a term of respect it's a term of insult to get underneath the skin or even go to you know when he was trying to take uh the gate over in season six with what was his name ed i can't remember where he's like i'll throw um Edmure, Edmure, Edmure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and and he, he says it out of disgust and disdain. Yeah, he was yeah. like, "How do you live with yourself?" Yeah, and so. it, I, I think the same thing. I think it's now you're starting to see. You almost wonder if there's something psychologically wrong with Jamie because he can never forgive himself yeah. for all the things you've done. But, but yeah, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, so I mean, they have a like a little bit of a conversation back and forth, like didn't think it was super important except this one quote at the end because like uh he he asks brand like what happens afterwards like about like you know how brand basically forgive me say we need all the people that we can get you know he asked brand like what happens afterwards and brand says this how do you know there is an afterwards so meaning because what that shows me and what that tells me is that Bran, what we've been saying, Bran can't tell the future. He can only see the past and present, which is kind of contradictory to the books because I remember I don't exactly know what chapter it is, and I should have wrote it down. That's on me. But in the books, it makes an illusion that the three-eyed ra- excuse me, the three-eyed raven can see past, present, and future. What? But again, like I'm sure the future would come in like flashes, and it wouldn't be like a like a, a movie or a thing in his brain. He can see exactly. He can maybe he can see parts of it, but. Here you can see, like he doesn't know anything about what's going to happen. He said, "How do you know there is an afterwards?" So that's why I think that was pretty, pretty big and pretty important. Well, here was another thing that was important. It goes to show Jamie does everything for his family, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Jamie says, "I'm sorry for what I did to you." And Bran said, "You weren't sorry then. You were protecting your family." And Jamie said, "I'm not that person anymore." Bran, you still would be. If you hadn't pushed me out of the window, and I would still be Brandon Stark. Jamie, you're not. Brent, no. I'm something else now. It, it goes to show, though, like, I don't think... Like, Jamie is always going to be who Jamie is, all the way to the very end. Like, he always puts his family first, no matter what the situation is. Um, so, my point is... Has he really changed? Or he's always who he is? He's just always going to be who he is. Whether his intentions are more good, like your proportion of how many intentions you have that are good versus bad is different. But that still doesn't change who you really are. In the end, you couldn't make the change to make the right choice. Which is crazy, but because, like, this, I guess that's a good argument for why he ends up going the way he does um like how his arc ends up the way it is is that he's always done stuff for his family but like well, i just don't understand like, he he went to the north and joined danny and the armies up there 
knowing that you know if they survive the long night like they're gonna go down there to king's landing and kill cersei like so mm-hmm. if that was like, like that was the case like why did he even go like like he's like i think you know he had what was cool and why i we all love jamie's arc is because right. it showed finally for once like he broke cersei's spell on him he, he he decided to do something for honor rather than himself. He, I think he, that's he a ca- good point. He gave his word that he was going to fight for the North, and he went to go fight for the North. That's the one time that instead of like his passion for Cersei, because think about it, he could have done the quote unquote right thing and not push Bran out the window, and maybe basically just you know argued mm-hmm. with you know Bran and you know hoped that they didn't get caught. But no, he pushed him out the window. He he always made the wrong choice, and this was the time right. where you're like wow. He made the right choice here. That that's so, good. That's, that's why it just bugged yeah. me. No, no, I got, I gotta, I gotta say that's a, a very good point because he makes a difference here. Because I was even playing intellectually in my head. What if the wrong choice was for his family? Would he do it? And the answer is no, because the wrong choice was to stay with Cersei, yeah. and he chose not to. So yeah, yeah, that's a hundred percent right in my opinion. So now here, which was kind of cool, um, and this is a wink back to season one. Uh, this is a full circle moment because remember when Tyrion was trapped by the Mountain Clans as him and Bronn were leaving the Eyrie, like after he got out of that trial by combat, like they got cir- circled by the Mountain Clans and uh, the Mountain, like the like the guy, like the, the dwarf made uh, Tyrion made the Mountain guys like laugh, and because he made him laugh, he's like, well, how would you like to die, uh, little man? And Tyrion said, in my own bed at the age of 80 with a belly full of wine and a girl's mouth around my cock. And it's funny because he said that same exact line again here. So it's like he used that same exact thing. And the funny part is is he must have said this line so many times because Jamie even says it like word for word with him towards the end of it. So I just I I, I thought that was a really cool like wink back to the season one when he was just like, you know, the worst version of himself. You know, to where he is now. So, and I thought of something really interesting here. Yeah. And prepare to put on your thinking cap because it, <laughs> it it's not a great debate or anything. It's just a very interesting question. Okay. Brand says a quote. How do you know there is an afterwards? That's what I said. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like you were saying, right? Yeah. But here's the question. Brand could be asking two different things. He could be asking, like, you know, how do you really know there isn't afterwards? Or he could be asking if Jamie is a three-eyed raven from Bran's perspective. Because three-eyed ravens see the past, present, and future. But they don't see the future. That's my point that I just made. Like, like, like that's what I'm saying. Like, in the, in the show, they have not shown that he's been able, they've been able to see. Like, he t- like, when you go back to the original three-eyed raven in the, in the woods... Like what he talks about and describes as a three-eyed raven is you see everything that has happened and everything that is happening. Is doesn't happening. Have, doesn't say anything about what is yet to come. It doesn't show it say anything about seeing the future. It's never mentioned. And it, and it's well, then that brings up another point, which that's a, a lot of stuff we'll talk about down the road for the last episode I have a big problem with. Yeah. <laughs> so that really makes me wonder. Right. But no, that's a, that's a great but point. That's, but, that's a, that's a, but that's like, you know, if we think about the books, like I said, in the books, it makes it seem like that they can see, like the yeah, can exactly. see. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm coming so, from. But you know, in the show, that it makes tells you them, almost wonder. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. The thing is, like, that's still an Tricky. afterwards. I mean, I don't think that that one's a second. I don't yeah. think there's a second meaning to that because, you know, I can agree with that, that. But because it's a little bit different. My opinion always is, if there's a little bit 
of a difference, then it's probably not right. You're looking too much into it. Yeah. So I, I would say I have to agree with that one. No, but for sure. now we, you know, we kind of see, you know, you have this big reunion coming up. Uh, which one are you talking about? Are you talking about Brian and Jamie? Or which one are you talking about? Um, oh, sorry. I turned back to my notes three pages ago. <laughs> so I was talking about Tyrion and Jamie, uh-huh. but we just went over that. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so, yeah like how they that. had that like whole thing and they, the, the whole line that Tyrion said, I related it back to the mountain clans. Yeah. Now... Brienne and Jamie talk about strategy for the left flank. Right. And Brienne okay. thinks he's up to something because he's being nice, which is another thing is like, is Jamie finally coming around to being a good guy? Uh, and you know what's funny too is now that uh, well, I'm mentioning that, because while this is going on, they're watching Podrick like train, and Podrick's gotten good with the sword. Podrick is like he's like no again he's like he's like outclassing some of these soldiers. I don't know if I would say good. Bro, he was he was Here's like, my he, kept dis, he kept disarming the guy and giving the sword back and said. Brian even said he's all right. Still has to a lot to but, learn. But like that's that's brain. That's like Dumbledore telling Harry like you know he's just an okay wizard. Because, he, like, dude, I cannot say he was. I thought he was getting better. Dude, he, he was, was no crazy. Anakin Skywalker. Remember, he was like training the guy, trying to be the shit, and then Brand's like, he still has a lot to learn. Like he, he was okay, but like that's who she is. Like she doesn't mean that. Like, like like she, that's her false modesty speaking. Like she realizes and knows that Podrick's in. A, like for more, like everyone else that's there, outside of like the big heroes that we knew, Podrick's probably now the best fighter. And that's why Jamie even brought up. Jamie knows a good swordsman when he sees one. Why? Because he's one of the best ones, and he's been around fighters all his life. And he said he looks good. Like literally, even Jamie Lannister has to admit this guy looks good. Yeah, he's definitely come <laughs> a long way. <laughs> I would say. So I'm just saying, if a top five all-time Westerosi swordsman tells you you're looking good, I think that's pretty damn fucking good. <laughs> like, then again, Jamie is not the swordsman he once was no, but foreshadowing again, he's he he's been around he he was one and he's been around a bunch of men he knows what a good fighter looks like you know he's he's he was alive during Barris and Selmy's time he was Barris and Selmy's squire he was he was alive during like the Arthur Dane times too like you know what I mean like he's seen what good swordsmen look like so for him to tell Podrick he looks good that's a pretty good compliment I would say you're probably better than almost everyone there outside of maybe 10 people and if there's 8,000 people, top 10 is pretty fucking good. <laughs> like, That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. I still revert back to remember when he got his ass kicked when yep. he was next to Sansa? Sure do. Remember that? Like it was <laughs> That's like the thing. Like, I don't but know. That, but that, how far you're he's come since then. That was, that you're was, training. You're not in a real life situation. That was, see, what did you do? Did you see him in the long night? <laughs> Okay, yeah. But okay, like, okay. Bro, okay, saying, I agree. And, like, then that Sansa thing was season six. He's had two he's full years. He's come a long way. He's had two full <laughs> years. Dude, he is That's what I would good. say. I would not say he is some fantastic best swordsman no I've ever seen. No one said he was, but I'm saying the fact of the matter is he's gotten really good, and that's exactly what I said. Podrick looks really good, and then he <laughs> said because Brienne said he's got a lot to learn, which is just Brienne who's a perfectionist. She probably thinks that she still has a lot to learn, too. You know what I mean? That's just who Brienne is. But, anyways, on a side note, I, I love how after all this time, 
Jorah still calls Danny Khaleesi. Like he never refers to her as my Khaleesi, like, like as your grace or like my queen. He just calls her Khaleesi because like that's how he met her, and it's it's just beautiful to me. Like I know that's a weird side note that I brought in because like we have them, uh, you know, interact. Like so, right after mm-hmm. that thing there with Podrick looking good, it goes to Jorah and Danny. But I just like it wasn't really important. Just like a quick little, I it, it was almost like a wholesome moment. Like even after all this time. In all the new titles that she's acquired, he still refers to her as Khaleesi. I think that's pretty nice because yeah, he's the only, like only one. He's the only one outside the Dothraki. Khaleesi, but yeah, I mean, she he's been with her since season one. Yeah, back he's when the only back one. when Viserys was the heir to the Iron Throne, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool. But uh, talking about that, Jorah goes to bat for Tyrion, tells Danny that she made the right choice for the hand of the queen, like even though. Like Danny said, well, the position should have been yours, but you know, like you, you know, you did your shit, had exile, yeah, you, you know, whatever. And Jorah's like, nah, you made the right choice. Like, like remember, the, what did you have the actual quote about him wanting to throw Tyrion into the sea? Did you write that down? Into the sea? Yeah, I like, have like, pretty much every quote, but I did. Oh, so if you want to, you, if you want to read their dialogue back and forth, I mean, I don't but, have the. I mean, which but, one? Because she goes to Sansa a little bit later. Well, we're talking about Jorah and and Danny right now. Yeah. So I mean, the only part I have is when Danny says Tyrion has made mistakes, serious mistakes, mm-hmm. and Jorah says, "As we, as have we all, he learns from his." So yeah. I don't have the one about throw him into is, the sea. So like, like I don't have it either. But basically, like you know, he's like he never stops talking. Like I, I you know, I, he, he he's the, the mind behind the mouth is 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 incredible. That was what mm-hmm. he's trying to say. Like that's what he says. Like the whole time I was bringing him to you, I wanted to throw him out of the thing because he wouldn't stop talking. But the mind behind the mouth is incredible. Like, you made the right choice. So it's cool to see that Jorah doesn't have any sort of sense of pride or like self-worth where he's like mad that he didn't get the position of hand of the queen mm-hmm. but you know he's going to bat for Tyrion who honestly you know Tyrion they are, like Danny's probably on her last nerve with Tyrion thinking about replacing him as it is and if Jorah pushed for it it's possible that she might have re- you know replaced I and mean, he probably wouldn't have but it's possible that she could have been like you know what Tyrion I'm gonna we're, we're gonna move it on with Jorah because you've been you've been failing like think about it any any sense of actual corporate employment, you probably your ass would probably be absolutely gone by now, dude. If if I'm the head of like like a a banking firm and I lose like Chase Bank like eleven thousand dollars, I'm gone immediately. <laughs> yeah, like, you're like gone. Like, there's, like, no there's no second, third, fourth chance. Like, like who the fuck you think you no, are? Exactly, I agree with you 100 percent there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now I now we go to the part where Danny goes to Sansa to try to squash the beef. Because that's what Jorah told her to do again. To say, hey, if I, I've got one more request. Like, you, like, you know, if you want the people up here to, like, respect you. Like, basically, the, the road through the north goes through Sansa. So, like, you guys have got to try to come together at some point, right? And so, uh, yeah, I know that you probably have their whole interaction there. I only have one quote. I mean, we don't uh, need the, I have it, but we don't need their whole interaction. The biggest thing is, I think, Danny. Danny goes to bat here. This is Sansa's problem because Sansa doesn't want to come to any sense of agreement, though. Right, no compromise at all. Like, literally, like, that's the thing. To, to the quote that probably matters, because I don't even have that part down I have, like, towards the end where she makes a funny little wink back to Caldrogo. But basically, when Sansa... Uh, she tells her that you know they all start, they start having their moments back and forth and it's nice and wholesome or whatever until she realizes like hey listen like but after this the north is one of those seven kingdoms like what do you plan to do with the north like like, like listen like we like we we agreed we're not gonna let any southern ruler rule us again 
you know, like, like, you know, I'm not, I know I'm paraphrasing. It's not the exact quotes, but no, I have like, that exact quote. And but, I want to bring that up because this answers a yeah. question you've had on this Knock podcast yeah. for a long time. Knock it out. So, and I'm going to start a little bit before that, but Danny says, all my life, I've known one goal, the iron throne, taking it back from the people who destroyed my family and almost destroyed yours. My war was against them until I met John. Now I'm here a half world away fighting John's war alongside him. Tell me who manipulated whom. That, I want to bring this up real quick before I go into the next part of the quote. Because this answers your question. She only loved John and Drogo. Mm -hmm. That we've always talked about. She never loved Dario. Right. Or Jorah. Or Jorah. Like it was only John and Drogo. Mm -hmm. And that that answers your question right there. Because that proves what we talked about on the show. Which which question? uh, Remember when we were talking about, do you think uh, she loved Dario? And the answer was no. no So, but that goes to prove it. Yeah. But then Danny says, I am here because I love your brother and I know he is true to his word. He is the only second man in my life. Ah, that's about that's the one I can I had. say. Yeah, I, that's say the one I that can about. I say can I say that one? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is a note. I'm here because I love your brother and I trust him and I know he's true to his word. He's only the second man in my life. I can say that about. And Sansa asks, "Who was the first? And Danny replies, "Someone taller." There you go. <laughs> that was awesome. And that answers that proves like, your point. Like that was uh, that is proves funny. your point you were talking about. Yeah, I, I just full th- circle, full circle <laughs> moment. But yeah. then yeah, so continue on to what she said about. You I know, literally she wrote it spicy. down. <laughs> proves Josh's point. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Nailed it. Gotcha. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. But that was really the biggest quote I had there. But the whole idea right here is, I hate to say this. And I hate using this word, but really Sansa is just being a bitch. Dude, she gets spicy because, like, you know, because, like, they were on the verge of, like, seeing eye to eye for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then, like, she said, what did she say? Do you have the quote about, like, the North? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. and she says, and what happens afterwards? We defeat the dead, we destroy Cersei, and what happens then? This is after the North. Yep. So what she's expecting Danny to say is almost, like, sacrifice things for John, marriage, that sort of thing. But she says... I take the Iron Throne. Yeah. And, and it basically goes to show, like, it's my way or the highway. Exactly. Like, so I'm trying to help you, but it's my like way or the headbutting. highway. So did, did you get the part where she asked about, like, the, the North, though, specifically? Yep. Yeah. What about the North? It was taken from us, and we took it back, and we said we would never bow to anyone else again. What about the North? And she removes her hand from Sansa. Like she was like, so she like had Sansa like like it. like as in like a nice gentle like hand on her wrist and then like uh, wrist. And when she said that, like she removed it, and then they had like that weird stare down, and that's mm-hmm. when the person came in. And like, this is a big point too. What's about to happen? Because the person that comes in, because she doesn't know about their history, I think Danny is like, what the hell? Yeah. Like I think it's like I think the Northerners love each other. Like basically, even though he's not technically a Northerner, but he he pretty much is. He was raised most of his life. But on Danny that. didn't even know about that. Like he's about she, what? the person that comes in that we're gonna talk about. She didn't know that they, him and Sansa knew each other. Or? Not really about their history. Got, yeah, right. Like right, right. I, I, my point is, I think Danny was expecting like be like, oh, you're here for, for me. me. Yeah, you yeah. I agree. Yep, I agree. One hundred percent. 
So yeah, and this, so right before this is what I wrote down too. Like um, after that quotes that you were just saying, like Sansa, like I wrote down, Sansa wants the North to rule itself and wants to know what Daemon would do if they ha if they happen to win. Then after she does that, so they're back on icy terms again. Stuff was starting to come together. And then now they're back on icy terms because Sansa just won't compromise. But bro, like Sansa should compromise because this girl literally did not have to come up here and you know help you guys with the army of the dead. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. she straight up didn't have to do that. She could have just took in King's Landing and said, "Well, the North's gonna fight and fend for itself." And then when the North got destroyed, she would fight the army of the dead when they moved south. Like you know, so she didn't have to be there. You know, so like, dude, she's not asking for, you know, I don't think she's asking for very much. She's risking her life, the life of her armies and all that stuff, too. So, I don't know, man. I just, I think, I think that Sansa was just being a little bit ridiculous. She was um, being ridiculous, which is why you gotta fill her cup. Move in the club and you shake my stuff. So, now we go back to... Josh doesn't want to have any fun today. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, they're back on icy terms, right? And then, like you said, we got a very special guest uh, arrival of our man. Uh, he's no longer the reek we know. He is Mr. Theon Greyjoy, arrives in Winterfell. And, like like you said, it was very interesting because, like, he, like, gives, like, respect to Danny, but, like, he embraces and like cries and is emotional with Sansa. Like she like runs up, throws her arms around her, and like everyone's watching. Like Danny's like, dude, no one up here loves me. <laughs> like like it's funny because like she ends up complaining about that later on when she talks to John about like fear versus love. I think like, that's what ultimately breaks her. That's like, moment think right about here. It. This moment when Theon. No 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 no. How you when you mentioned that you know she feels like no one loves her. I think that's what breaks her like all the people you feel like supported you all this time yeah i think that's what it does but this is actually a really emotional moment and it yeah. brings sansa to tears it, it does it's super cool it's nice like because dude theon did all those bad things then he had ramsey happen to him then he's been trying to fight to become himself again and now like after he talked with john and he fought that one like other pirate guy like of his Greyjoy army and one like, <laughs> like how do you do that yeah. by the way we talked yeah. about this earlier yeah. he becomes some badass but yet you got your ass kicked by some pirate guy and yep. barely won yep agreed um but yeah so uh you know I, th I thought that was really really cool but now we got another full circle moment that comes up too so after that emotional reunion with like Sansa and Theon Sir Davos is giving out soup mm -hmm. and he comes in contact with a little girl that has a burn mark on her cheek Clearly, this is meant to remind us of Shireen. Yeah. Like, because, like, she's still brave and Clear. she's like, she wants to fight, you know, and, you know, Sir Davos is looking at her because, like, like I said, like, remember, she's got, like, uh, Shireen had grayscale on the side of her face and she was a young girl who, who was very, very brave. And so here's this one saying that she wants to fight with everyone else out there, you know, and, uh, it's nice because Gilly comes up with, like, a way to, like, soothe her ego and make her feel good about fight, staying in the crypts because, um, she literally says, she's like, well, I'm going to be in the crypts, and I'll feel a lot safer if you're in there defending me in the crypts to, to the little girl. And so, like, Sir Davos, like, you can see, like, Sir Davos is, like, in shock. Like, he's trying to, like, talk and, like, make words. And, like, he is, but he's not his normal, like, quick, witty, like, you know, himself. It's like he's seen a ghost. So it's just really interesting. Did you have something to that effect? No, that was yeah. literally dead on. If you hear like a loud bang, it's because it's raining outside. Got thunder <laughs> We're outside in Florida, the studio. Man. There's a lot of <laughs> lot of water down here. Yeah, yeah. Got some thunder. Josh doesn't want to have any fun with our wine and dine. <laughs> Josh wants to be all cereal. 
Cereal. Have you ever seen South Park? Cereal. Super cereal, guys. <laughs> Serious. Yeah. That, dude, I've never watched South Park. Is that where no, it came from? No, you've never is seen that, South Park. Is that God. where that came from? Because like, I remember, That's where that I came remember from. a certain part in high school, we would all say, instead of saying serious, we'd all say cereal, and I never knew where that came from. So, that's from, so that's from South Park? Uh, Malice and the Chalice Guard. Oh, dude, throw it. <laughs> Fucking Malice? And with the gods of the beyond, I summon the... Malice in the chalice. Dilly dilly. Now you have to take at least a drink, man. Mm. Dilly dilly. Take a little sip for you. One sip. <laughs> yeah. Where that came from, throwing that on the table. This is actually very quick. So that came from, remember the Bush Al Gore election? Yes. So Al Gore, this is why I love this card. Al Gore used to be really into the environment and stuff. And I'm right. a fairly conservative person. But he used to always, the big joke was he would be like, Excelsior, which that was actually a uh, Stan Lee joke, as you know. Right. But um, he used to be like, excellent. So they were like, Excelsior. And what happened was he was always like, guys, I'm super serious about global warming. I'm super serious. So, of course, South Park takes it to the next level. Yeah. It's like, guys, I'm super, super serial right now. Man bear pig. We have to beat man bear pig. It's super super serial we have to take care of this that's, so that's so where that funny. came from dude because like there was a good period in high school where all of us were just saying uh i'm I, like like saying like instead of saying serious we'd say serial and then i never knew where that came from but now i do that's this hilarious. is where we should be like serial pharrell i'm just so serial <laughs> yeah that's hilarious man i didn't know that yeah. but yeah man that's why we have that card <laughs> <laughs> exactly right cool um now what i have got next is ed Tormund, and barrick they arrive at winterfell and give John the tragic news about what happened at the last hearth and like the umbers. And John asks him, like, you know, how long do we have? And Tormund tells him, until the sun comes up tomorrow. Like, do you know how soon that is? They think they've got time to prepare. And all of a sudden, you gotta be like, shit, guys, we gotta get ready to die in like six hours. Like, dude, what the fuck? That's so great. I do wanna say this. One of the like lines he says was, um, Ed's like, he's got blue eyes, and he's like, I've always had blue That's eyes. That's right, we missed that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's right, that, that was funny that when they when they were all at the last hearth. Yeah, you're yeah, right. That's cool. I always had blue eyes. He's <laughs> yeah. always had blue eyes. That's hilarious, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, so now they're kind of like in their war room, right? They all like at the war council. And John, remember he doing? asked that. Oh yeah, that's room. funny. Go ahead. If you want to, that's a funny little part. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, yeah. this isn't really important. But it's funny, yeah. But when he gets to Winterfell, he goes, "Is the big woman still here?" Tormund Tor- Tor- has had this thing with <laughs> Brienne forever. It's yeah. hilarious. Great. So, no. So now we're back. We're back at the War Council, right? And John tells him the best chance to kill a is, is to kill a Night King because if he falls, so do the rest of his army. And so Jamie Jamie tells him, "Well, if that's true, he's not going to expose himself." And Bran tells him, no, the Night King will come for me. He's tried before many times with many three-eyed ravens. He wants to erase this world, and I am its memory. So now we've got a, we kind of got a plan a little bit. So what I thought was important here is that we kind of saw some all angles. Because obviously you're not going to be able to just fight off a million army of the dead until every single last of the dead has gone. Especially when the Night King can go like this. And all of them are risen again. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, outside the ones that were killed with Valyrian Steel or Dragon Glass or Fire. But still, like, you know, kind of like what happens, you know, when... I won't, I won't ruin it, but... No, uh, you're good. So, like... Um, <laughs> I mean, they know the Night King raises the dead. Right. So, so but, like, uh, 
that now they've got a plan like hey listen you know what happened when i killed when i killed one of those generals outside like when i went beyond the wall to bring the white back to cersei when we killed the general all of his men fell too so obviously it stands to reason we take the night king out all the army of the dead's gone too so that that's mm-hmm. a good plan and jamie even like tried to go to like plays devil's advocate was like listen well he's not going to show himself if that's true and then brand's like well no he will and so that the whole plan is now is brand is going to be bait and he's going to wait for the Night King mm-hmm. and the God's Wood. And I think this is very poetic. I even have it here. I said poetic there. Because this is like God versus Devil vibes. Yep. Because he's waiting in the God's Wood. Like, you know, underneath... That is like, good. Under, I like yeah, that. Underneath mm-hmm. the... Um, the the weirwood tree underneath where like the like they pray to the uh the old gods which is like you know so remember how the old say, gods and the new right exactly mm-hmm. so like under under the uh weirwood tree of the old gods is where they're gonna make brand's last stand against the ultimate evil which is you know that's why i said god versus devil vibes it's really interesting yeah but um yeah so then Arya asks see this is another reason why i don't think brand can see the future because Arya asks uh uh, Dragonfire will stop him, and Bran says, "I don't know. No one's ever tried. So if he mm-hmm. can't see into the future, when Danny blows, fu- oh shit, oops, <laughs> my bad. It's well, all yeah, good. yeah. So spoiler anyway, alert. Yeah, right. God, but I always no. do that because I get carried away. Well, they don't really know yet. But but like Bran obviously can't see the future because Bran would have seen her doing that, and then here's a theory. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's funny you said that though. Do you mind if I um okay, say something real quick? One thing I heard on the Night King that I actually did write down, the theory on the Night King is that the reason the, the Night King wants to kill Bran is because Bran sees the past, which is funny because they talk about this later on. So, you know, history is all written down by man and then handed down. Mm-hmm. So Bran is the only real account yeah. of what's left if all the history is destroyed if they kill everybody and they burn everything it's not there so you gotta you gotta rely on recollection right yeah. well if they kill bran there is no memory left so that's the theory well, i've heard well that's that's almost exact i didn't write i didn't write this quote down but i definitely should have that's exactly what sam says mm-hmm. he's like you know if uh you know, if I'm like, if I am the Night King and I want to erase like all of mankind, uh, the Three-Eyed Raven who sees everything and knows everything, that's where I would start. That's yeah. exactly like something along those lines. Like I should have wrote that. Was actually an important quote. I don't know why I didn't write that down. I think I might have it somewhere because you know I write down everything, but right. I do have something John says, which is really cool because it shows to the people like how massive their army was planned. Um, John says. And this is a badass quote. They are coming. We have dragon dragon glass and Valyrian steel, but there are too many of them. For too many, our enemy doesn't tire, our enemy doesn't stop, our enemy doesn't feel. Could you imagine going up against something like that in the night before? Like you're being planned for that, and you're like, well, shit. Like, wow, you're telling me they're they're that powerhouse right now. Like, imagine on a football field. Like, they are the New England Patriots. And you're like, well, shit. The Patriots are no longer what they were, right? So, yeah, they, I get yeah, what you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Well, my thing is there, too, and I wrote this down later on because I think it comes up again. Straight up, they don't have, like, like they don't mention Dragonfire as a way to kill things. He said, we've got Dragonglass and we've got Valyrian Steel, but why doesn't he also say we've got Dragonfire, too? Like, right. They said, they missed that again. They, like, they didn't, I don't know if they intentionally left it out. I don't know if it was, like, the last season, because I think I've already mentioned it on this podcast. I think it must have been um, season seven, but mm-hmm. either way, um, yeah, I don't know. 
Here it is. You got it? Okay. Uh, I think I had it here. I always, uh, what's funny is I'm laughing at my <laughs> notes and one of them said, calling it fucked is extremely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was uh, something Sam said. I'm actually still looking for it to back up what I said, but basically that's what the, what the rumor is. Well, yeah, it's not even a rumor. Race. It's actually said. Like, yeah. he says it. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, yeah, if I wanted to erase the history of the world, that's where I would start. So, yeah, so like that's where they came up with the plan. But why are you? While, yeah, yeah why we'll, are you we'll move on from it until you yeah. find it. Then if you do find it, we can track back. But, you know, the next thing I see is Tormund make he keeps making passes at Brienne. Any chance he gets. And, like, dude, she, like, is creeped out by this guy, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad because, like, Tormund's funny. He's, like, that big friend. Like, he's that big friendly, like, friend that, you know, just is harmless. Mm-hmm. But, like, he, like, really likes her, and she just, like, is grossed out by him, which is which is sad. But anyways, uh, John leaves abruptly again when the meeting is over, avoiding Danny. So this is this is the second time that he's been in Danny's presence that, like, he... Won't even acknowledge her. He looks down and, like, walks out again. So, he still hasn't found a way to tell her the truth about himself. And because of that, it's straining their relationship. Because Danny doesn't even know what's wrong. Danny's probably thinking to herself, like, what did I do? Like, why does the person I love, like, not want to be around me? Like, what Like what did I, you know, is he starting to, like, like I bet she's starting to think, like, Sansa's getting in his head. Like, oh, he's probably, like, you know, his sister is probably telling him things and turning him against me is I bet what would be going through her head. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to say something real quick mm-hmm. just about the military strategy though. Yeah. Um, not to interrupt, but the whole idea behind this was they wanted to keep the dragons around brand to protect them, mm-hmm. not out in the field, which you're going to find out. That's part of why the plan breaks down. And that's all I was going to say about that. That's interesting because they weren't anywhere near Bran when they were perched on the hill. When that's exactly. the thing, like that was they. But no, I'm talking about even even before. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Like even the I start, when the saying, start yeah. of the like the yeah. start of episode three, they were nowhere near him. So I don't, I don't even. I actually, that when I was does make that, you wonder. I don't yeah. even remember that being part of the plan though. Like when I was listening to that, like I might have. Like, I maybe, have a quote. Maybe on when that. this is, yeah. Maybe when yeah. The, oh, read it because I don't read that quote real quick. Yeah, dude, because I don't even remember hearing them say like we're gonna keep the dragons around Bran. Yeah, I actually have that right here. Hold on one second here. So, do, 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 do. wow, of course, uh, uh, Sir Davos said it. Okay. Dragons need to be in uh, the field. Okay, so, well, <laughs> no, 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 but I wrote it here. <laughs> Ironically. No, it's a, so John disagrees with it, which is uh, foreshadowing because, yeah, Arya says, well, this goes into what you're saying, which I don't want to give anything away. Dragon fire will stop him. Bran, I don't know. No one's, one's ever tried. tried. But th- I actually wrote it down. John wants the dragons near Bran so they can protect Bran and pursue the night. But I don't. That's the thing is I don't remember him saying that. But well, maybe like when we, when we finish up here, we'll take a look at it on the. We'll take a look we'll, at yeah, it because I, I don't remember him saying like. I wish I wrote down the. Of course, like the, the one, one quote. Yeah, I right. Mean, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I was like, well, shit, I have the one that disproves it. (laughs) But But now that we're going, we'll move forward from that while you still look for if Sam, if you find Sam's quote, if you don't, it's not the big actually, I got an idea. This is why we have telephones, right? Yeah. Right. Actually, that's a decent idea. Right. So actually why you keep telling them, you want want to look it up? Okay. Yeah, I got it. Mm -hmm. So now the next thing I have here is gray worm. He's talking to Missandei 
about when the war is over, like what she wants to do. And she was like, well, like she thinks he's talking about just a long night. And he's like, no, like one, because she's like, he's like, I'm loyal to my queen and I'll fight her until all her enemies are dead. But what, what happens when all of her enemies are gone? Like, which is, kind of, dude, before, before you do that, listen, mm-hmm. to, I just, I just, dude, like on the spot, I just came up with something. Bro, Grey Worm told them that Danny, like he would keep fighting Danny's, all, all Danny's enemies until they're all gone. But then remember what Danny, that big speech that you want to talk about when we get to the end of mm-hmm. season eight? Right. She never runs out of enemies. So he's going to be fighting for her till forever. Because like that's yeah, what she wants, he, and, and he's basically you, an indebted slave. That's but, really but good. On top of that, that's what I'm saying. He's like, yeah, I will fight till all her enemies are gone, and I'll, then like after that, like Nasande says, like she wants to see Noth, and Grey Worm tells her that he will take her there. Well, that like I guess that would never have happened because you know she never would have run out of enemies if things. Either way, I just I no, thought that, that was really that's weird. That's actually came, really smart. I that like came that. out of nowhere, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's really good. Uh, wow. So, next thing I got is Ghost, Sam, and John are on the ramparts reminiscing about, you know, their journeys and ha- what got them all to where they are now. Um, so, it, it's funny because, cause we're, we're like, honestly, bro, like, we'll, we'll wait to do that mm-hmm. in a second. Because no, you're fine. The, the you're thing good. is, is Keep that talking. we're coming up to the, the conclusion, and then these yeah. are really important things. So, like, that, we can, we can find that once we kind of slow up here, but, like, just to give them the, yeah. the, the ending with no, with no distraction... Like, straight up, like I thought this is really interesting because this is the ghost just appears out of nowhere. Ghost appears out of nowhere on the ramparts up there, and like Sam and John are they're reminiscing about their journeys and like how who they were and how they got to where they are now. And while they're doing that, Jamie and Tyrion are drinking in the hall, reminiscing as well. And that's when Brienne and Podrick join them. And like it's funny because like Brienne, even to this time, she's so serious she won't even let Podrick drink wine. Until mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, like, there's not a, like, 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 he's about to die tomorrow, most likely. Like, let him drink like a half cup, and like, right. you know. And it's funny because like, I actually even read this because uh, um, she, she's like, fine, Podrick, half a glass of wine. And Tyrion <laughs> keeps pouring and overflows it, until <laughs> splashes over and gives it to him, and like winks at him. Because guys, if you remember, Podrick was Tyrion's squire. He's mm-hmm. like Podrick started with Tyrion, so I did, it was just so funny to think that even though now she's he's uh, Brienne's squire, like him and Podrick still have that nice, cute relationship. That is really cool. you know what I mean. And Tormund is just getting obliterated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tormund and, and Davos join them as well, and Tormund tries to impress Brienne and measures himself up against Jaime. Do you have the? Uh, I do. do it. Do it. <laughs> I heard they call you King Killer. They call me Giant Spain. <laughs> You're, <laughs> I'm laughing because yeah, I knew you know I had this. <laughs> Want to know why? I killed a giant when I was ten, and then I crawled right into bed with his wife. When she wake up, you know what she did? Suckled me at her teat for three months. Thought I was her baby. That's how I got so strong. So fucked up. <laughs> That's why they said giant's milk. <laughs> oh, sick! That was awesome. <laughs> I, and you did a good, you did a good Tormund impression too. Uh, thanks. That, that was funny, bro. Uh, and then th- this is why I, I I love this moment here because 
it's almost like the calm before the storm, right? So they, they like after that happens, the Arya and the Hound are sharing a drink too, and Arya tells, uh, the, the Hound tells Arya that he fought for. Her. Oh, this is the part where he's like, "I fought mm-hmm. for you." And like, which stuff. real quick though, I want to relate this to the audience because imagine like that drunk ass guy at like the drunk club uncle at the wedding. Yeah, or even like yeah, drunk uncle at the wedding. Yeah, yeah. Reunion. And like he's trying to be the shit and like yeah. no one wants to be around him. Yeah, that's yeah, he's a, he's a drunk uncle that <laughs> makes the, inappropriate comments. Yeah, they're so. like get the fuck away from me. Yeah, they're like, they're like yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, just leave now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Okay, after you. Yeah. Yeah, no, so like like I said, the Arya and the Hound are also sharing a drink too at this time. The Hound tells Arya that he fought for her uh you know back when you know him and brian had that little duke out for Arya. then Beric you want to suck my dick is that it <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't remember that was between Tormund. uh Tormund and, and, and the hound uh the, when they went behind the wall um but uh yeah it, it's interesting because then Beric joins them and she and she goes this is my last night alive i'm not spending with you miserable with you miserable people right did you have that yeah, uh, you know I have everything. Put it, like, put it out That's there. why I have two notebooks, because it's quotes. Josh writes down real shit, and then I just write down a whole bunch of quotes, man. <laughs> Let's see. So Arya leaves, and she says, I'm not going to spend my final night out here with you two miserable old shits. That's what it is, miserable old shits. I was like, did she say old fucks? Or she, yeah. Oh, no, she said old miserable shits. Yep. I thought that was pretty funny. So then she goes down, and she starts practicing, like, the bow. Get my fuck on! And then she she nails a bullseye every time. And I wrote down, she has become an ultimate warrior right now because she's a master at swordsman. She's a master at throwing knives. She's a master at the bow. Like, she's become, like, an ultimate warrior. And so Gendry finds her and gives her the weapon she asked him to make. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she's inspecting it. It looks pretty badass. As you actually, I think she's up there, right? Can you can you grab her and show the feet? <laughs> there goes uh, my notes. It's all good. Yeah, that was, should have known. Chase. That's why Chase doesn't use <laughs> yeah, his hand. Yeah, yeah, I got to do something. That's what I was just about to say. I should have known better than ask Chase to grab something. That's right? a big joke on the show. Josh is like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with your hands? Just like, you know, Talladega Nights, just keep them by your side. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, guys, you can see, I mean, obviously, we are kind of far away from it. But you got Arya and her and her uh, her garb that she uses when the long night starts. But uh, she's got the uh, little stick here, the uh, staff that's got the dragon glass on either end, which is awesome because I find them genius. I, I made I made a um, a realization when the long night starts, and I'll talk about it next week. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, anyways, it's still a really beautiful weapon. Um, let's put this back here. I'll, I'll do it this time, right? Yeah, don't have me do it. We might get some napkins. Yeah. Bro, go get us some napkins. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, hey, go get go get some, some towels. Go get, get some, some towels. Get some napkins, man. But, but uh, yeah, <laughs> this is a big scene. And one thing I picked up on, I don't know if you did. It's almost like she plays the game of faces. So you were saying that, and I didn't. I didn't pick. I, I didn't pick up on it, or like I didn't notice it. But you know. This it's funny, like, because like I like, again, Ar- Gendry starts telling Arya about what the Red Woman wanted with him, and so Arya asks him if that was his first time, and he tells her he didn't sleep with her, and so like Arya, pre- as what I said is Arya presses him about how many women he slept with, and he finally tells her that it was three, so like, but you were saying that you think that it was more, more like the game of faces to see if he, like if she because she can tell if he's lying because. She's been through. I think so. And I have the whole monologue. I could buy that. Okay, go ahead. I want you to hear it because I want to know your opinion on it. That's the only reason I'm going to say it. Go ahead. But it's so 
he goes you know he, he she basically asked you know was it your first time and she said he said no and, and she goes how many and he he shudders and she says you don't remember I, I don't I don't I don't keep count one two twenty yes you did three Arya moves closer to Gendry. 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 Gendry, Gendry. I always do great when it's Gendry. So Gendry says three. We're probably going to die soon. I want to know what it's like before that happens. So it's that question of she's questioning him. And I think she's playing the game of faces here to find out if he's a virgin or not is what's going on what she knows he's not a virgin but Melisandre took it because he's going well, back said, and forth well he said that actually he actually said that he never slept with Melisandre like because like she remember she just chained him up and like got naked but then like put the leeches on him when she was on top like they never mm-hmm. actually had sex but then but, he's lying to well her. no he said he's had sex with three people but that, that, okay because like, oh, okay, gotcha. okay, gotcha. remember he's yeah we haven't seen Gendry since like I think it was what season mm-hmm. four we haven't seen, like, you know, this is the first time he makes an appearance since Red Woman took him and, like, Davos, like, pushed him off right. to sea. And so he, he, went, he made it to, um, like, the Flea Bottom. He was on the, 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 sort of the, the, um, street, the Steel mm-hmm. Street where he was making the thing. He was being, um, where Davos found him again. And, and was, so, like, so yeah. he probably met people, like, you know, and in there. Was it King's Landing? Well, yeah, yeah, Flea Bottom King's and King's Landing. Landing. Yeah. So, yeah, so it just made me three just people. But I think but it makes like, you, it's very similar. But, like, I would I would buy that more is if when he said I don't keep count if she smacked him, if she like hit him with something when he said I don't I don't know because that's a lie. But it, that would have been a better if they were meaning to do that. That'd be a better way to kind of. Here's go about the problem that. that I couldn't see Arya smacking a stranger. But like not like not like Gendry's not a stranger. Gendry is one of her closest friends. So like it'd be like it'd be a playful thing. Like it wouldn't be like I'm gonna hit you like the fucking wave hit me. It it'd be like. Like that, like something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, I could probably. Like, like that, like, that's the, what I think. That, that's, I could probably get that, but at the same time, like he knows nothing about Arya's history in the Black House of Black and White. Right. So, but I'm saying it'd be for us because he doesn't. He doesn't know about it now okay. either. So why would it be? So you would probably be like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like. Like I know okay, you're lying. I get. Like, I could yeah, probably like, like, get exactly, that. Like, like I know you're lying. Okay. Like yeah. I used to have. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I knew someone that used to do that. Like, really? Yeah, like, like just yeah. Like, give him eyes, like, okay. like, 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 just like raise her eyebrow. Like, I know you're lying. Like, but it's just an interesting thought. Like, that would be a really cool moment. It would have been. Like, that's something. Like, you're using what you learned for not something that's necessarily a life or death situation. That would yeah. be very interesting. Yeah, it would <laughs> be. And so I would, I would think that would be more of her playing the game of faces of when he did lie. To her, like she, mm-hmm. like she, like made it known that she knows he's lying. like. What if you was like, um, I've slept with a thousand people. Yeah, yeah, right. Like anything. you see what I'm saying? Any, yeah, yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why because when, when you brought the point, well, like, well, he doesn't know about Sorry, history. I, I don't you. care. Yeah, but like he'd say, Josh he, is the beast. By the way, oh if I'm gosh. in the club, I'm like, yeah, hey, hey, fuck you, man. And then they turn around and I'm like, hey, Josh, go ahead and take care of that guy. <laughs> You're tired of that today. Oh my god! Uh, hey, Josh, go ahead. I'm the passive guy. I'm like, you know, the sleek look. And then I turn to Josh. I'm like, hey, you want to go ahead and take <laughs> care of him? Hey, 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 my buddy. Uh, hey, man, you're a piece of shit. What you? What you say? Oh, sorry. He has something to say to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's never done it to me yet, but <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure if that situation arose, right? as wine goes up my nose, yeah. so that's real nice. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, man. What I was gonna say too is like, because what you said, you said that uh, you know he knows nothing about her history, but like he still wouldn't know if he well, she was playing it the way that it actually played out on screen. He still doesn't know. So I don't know. I I, 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 can't, I agree with you. I just yeah. think it was a very it would be very interesting. I, I would, if they I think they should have like like if that if that's not what they what that was it should have been what that was because it cool. shows like you know you can apply what you yeah. learned. Exactly to suit like a personal desire. Yeah. Exactly. No, she does cool. say a cool quote though. Oh, does it, is it the same one I have? Like I'm not the re- go yeah, ahead. Dude. Yeah, take it so away. So she like so Arya seduces Gendry, and Gendry like sitting there with like his shirt off, like on like the bag of like he weed or whatever. He wanted it. And it he's, like, he's like seduction. He like looked at. Oh, he's like looking up at her, and uh, she looks down at him. and She goes, "I'm not the red woman. Take your own bloody pants off." <laughs> yeah, this wasn't seduction. He wanted that. Well, I'm shit. saying, but he she initiated, <laughs> she initiated it. So she's she okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, by the way the directors were debating about doing this because there was a lot of controversy after this happened because you got to think this was aria the macy williams that was the little girl that grew up on screen so we were like i don't want to see her get naked and she kind of like yeah so she had like clothes. yeah you had like a side view so you can like only see like like the shape outline yeah. without seeing her straight on and that's yeah. another point what is gendry uh, gendry no no you gotta write the first Gen- i did get it right yeah. <laughs> i'm so bad with these names gendry sees on her right side yeah, all the scars, like like the things. So see, From like, the yeah, now that he knows like what she's gone through, like yeah. yeah so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so the, the, you know, I Move thought that was funny. In the club <laughs> and just shake my stuff. Oh yeah, so Arya gets her fuck on for the <laughs> first time. Wrote, is that what you wrote down? That is what you wrote down. Didn't I actually, <laughs> I said, I remembered when this premiered and Arya got her fuck on. So there was a couple extra words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I figured that's what you were I done. said it was kind of a Harry Potter moment when you see people grow up and then she got her fuck on. <laughs> You're welcome. That's funny. Get so, my fuck on. So uh, now Jamie, Brienne, Tormund, Tyrion, Podrick, and Davos, they're all talking about past battles that they've survived. Um, which is kind of cool because you know they're, they're basically trying to talk to themselves like, hey, we might be able to survive this. We've 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 survived other stuff too, you know. Imagine, guys, if you're about to take a final exam and then you're like, fuck it, I've studied all I can. I'm just gonna go out with my friends and hang out. Like I'm not yeah. gonna think about it anymore. I That's- take it the next day. Let me do whatever I just want to do. I don't care. I've studied all I can. Yeah. If I fail, I fail. Agreed. That's exactly what it is. So. Uh, I don't know if you have anything between that part and what I'm about to say right now, but what I have right now, to stop me if you have other things in between. But I've got Jamie uh, when he when he talks to about knighting Brienne because you know because she says she has to tell someone that she's not a knight, and then uh, Tormund says, uh, you know, if I was a king, I'd knight you ten times over. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I have is a little thing on Lady Mormont. Okay. So Lady Mormont talks to Jorah, and it was just really goes oh, to yeah. show her bravery. And Jorah goes, you know, why don't you go to the crypts like everyone else? And you remember, just like back in season six, like, you know, we're a small house, but we're a proud house. Like, she's going to show everything she has. And she says, I will not hide underground. I pledge to fight for the North, and I will fight for the North. <laughs> I mean, she you got to give this girl respect. Yeah, like, man. she's kind of like that... Especially with six, what she does but, too. Yeah. Like dude, like she's stopped a lot of other people from dying for sure. I mean, yeah. we'll talk about that later, but she's the bulldog, man. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Go yeah. for it. <clears throat> so yeah, so after like, you know, Tormund says he'd knight uh her so like ten times over, Davos like kinda has a smirk. And Jamie, like, 
he like points over to the side. He looks up, he's like, you don't have to be a king to knight someone. Any knight can knight another person. Mm-hmm. I'll prove it. And he tells Brandon, he's like, he's like, come over here and kneel. Where the fuck and did that so come from? She just like, yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> Bro, like, that's, my, that's my question. Is like, since when can you just like randomly, you know what? I'm just going to knight you. I was knighted, so I'm going to knight you. Whatever. But So I don't understand the whole thought process behind that. But either way, uh, she kneels uh, down below him. Like, well, she's kind of got teary-eyed because this is the moment in the life that she's always waited for. She's always wanted to be a knight, but she couldn't because she's a lady, X, Y, Z. But uh, so Jamie puts his sword on her and, you know, puts it over her. Uh, so when she's laying, so her, it starts on her left shoulder, puts it on his left shoulder. And he says, in the name of the warrior, I charge you to be brave. Then puts the, um, the uh, sword on her right shoulder and says, in the name of the father, I charge you to be just. Then puts a sword on top of her head says, in the name of the mother, I charge you to defend the innocent. Arise, Brain of Tarth, a knight of the seven kingdoms. I couldn't be more happy for her at this moment. Yeah, exactly. Everyone was. They all applauded and cheered. Like this is exactly right. These this is she deserved it. This is why I was talking about the calm before the storm. There's all these happy moments that you know are gonna be Mm -hmm. like all these happy moments before the dead come. Before your ass is grass. Before the dead come. Exactly. (laughs) Boy, you you gonna fucking die. (laughs) Talk talk about some foreshadow here from me. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're gonna talk about death and die. We go to uh, Sam, who's oh, <laughs> yeah. talking to... Uh, this our... is a full circle moment, too, by it the is. way. It is. It sure yeah. is. Sam gives Heartsbane to Jorah. He said... And I have the exact quote here, but the reason... like Guys, guys, remember Heartsbane is the sword that's been in Sam's family for 500 years. He's the only Tarly left that's like... He's the heir to Horn Hill, right? Mm-hmm. So him giving this sword to Jorah... Is such a big moment because he stole that sword and that's all he has really to remember his father by and his brother even though mm-hmm. they didn't have the best relationship him and his father didn't like it's still an important family like he wanted a pardon for stealing it from Danny right like they like, like wanted Danny to pardon him from stealing it from his father so he says this to Jorah your father taught me how to be a man to do what's right this is right and gave him the sword because obviously Jor, the sword in Jorah's hand is gonna be more like uh, it's gonna. Would you leave the damn fly alone? It's gonna be more. It's gonna be more <laughs> like beneficial to for Jorah to to have a sword, like a better sword than it's gonna be for Sam. Sam can't fight for shit. Yeah. So like you know and you know just Jorah it's, it's, <laughs> he killed a White Walker though. I think and it, it's crazy there. too. Like yeah. um, he says like, I'll wield it in his memory mm-hmm. because remember Longclaw was supposed to be Jorah like you said full circle moment. Right. Longclaw was the sword that Gior Mormont had and was supposed to go to Jorah but Jorah brought dishonor to the house by slave trading. So when he like he when he left he at least left a sword um, behind and Gior ended up giving that sword to Jon Snow after John saved him from the White Walker when burning his hand on the lamp, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's a full circle moment because Gior Mama, Jorah's dad had a big part in raising Sam to how Sam is now. And Sam now will give Jorah a sword because he can't use it and it's right and it's a Valyrian steel sword just like Longclaw was. So re- great great call with a full circle moment on that. Like It, it really was. That's awesome. Um, and kind of at this moment, this is kind of a big moment I want to talk about because we talked about it right before. Uh, Podrick, you know, Tyrion asked the group if anyone knows any songs. 
and the song they sing is called Jenny of Old Stone. And a lot of people don't know this. This was actually in the book Storm of Swords, which is kind of cool. The reason I wanted to talk about this a little bit was because now that we're completely out of the books, we don't get to talk about the books very much. Yeah. So it's kind of fun just to go back just for a minute, just to think about it. But the song, so there's only one line ever mentioned in the song. And Benny Offen Wise... In the book, right? In, in the okay. book, I'm okay. sorry. Got yeah, it. in Got the it. book. Where it was actually wrote by George R. R. Martin. Okay. Damn. Leave fly. it alone. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it alone, yeah. man. Leave it whoever's, alone. Whoever watches this video is going to laugh so hard, bro. Oh, I'm, like, I'm, like yeah. I'm like yelling at you half the damn podcast. They're probably <laughs> laughing, at their, laughing their ass off at the radio yeah. right now. But um, the whole idea behind this was George R. R. Martin uh, put it in Storm of Swords, and it was just one line. And actually, it's mentioned a couple of times. So Rob never actually hears the one line. Okay. Rob was traveling to Old Stone on the way to House of Frey uh, before the wed 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 red wedding. Yeah. Before it's all this. Yeah, yeah the right. red wine. Uh, sure is, right? Before the red wedding. After the red wedding is when that line is actually heard. So that line is actually heard by Arya when she's with the brothers uh, without banners. And that was after the Red Wedding when they actually visited. Wait, that's not right. Because Arya was with the Hound um, after the Red Wedding. She wasn't with the Brotherhood Without Banners yet. Okay, so it was before. It was, then it was before the before, Red Wedding. Okay, sorry, got yeah. it. Got I'm it. trying to still get to the quote is why. Yeah, no worries. Notes. But yeah, so it was right before. And that's when she visits... Of course, this winds up going almost into. Is that where she goes to that weird like lady's house, yeah, like the Oracle it. thing? Yeah, like, the Oracle yeah. thing. Yeah, it was like okay. heart something. I was trying to remember her name, really quick. I know what you're talking about. Let though. me find her name real fast. But um, the, I'll tell you the history real quick, and then I'll tell her name. But the whole thing was actually it was actually history on Jenny of Oldstone, and the whole idea was is that you know she didn't actually come from the town of Oldstone. She was the wife of Duncan Targaryen, who is actually called uh, the Prince of Dragonflies. And this is actually, it relates to kind of what went on with John as a bastard. And this is where it's going to get very interesting. Because what happened was uh, Duncan fell in love with Jenny. He was actually betrothed uh, to Lionel Baratheon, um, who was a descendant before uh, ancestor of Robert Baratheon. Um, well, what happened was, you know, betrothals at that time are very, they're very important to the houses. Sacred. Sacred, yeah. Just which is how this ties to the yeah. Red Wedding when this happened at this point. Okay. Um, but... It basically broke the heart of the Baratheons because Duncan uh, chose to go against that and actually marry Ginny of Oldstone. So what happened was for a long time, uh, they were basically shamed. Um, it says they were frowned upon. It actually even started a small rebellion. Um, and House of Baratheon was shamed for many years until Robert's Rebellion. Um, eventually, though... Uh, Jenny of Oldstone was accepted uh, by the court, and they referred, referred to her as Lady Jenny, and it actually became, uh, she became basically someone that they would write songs about 
um, for many years. But the song, what it's about, it's about Jenny's romance and remembering her past and how much it hurt her that she basically had to grow up with all the houses hating her. So it, it if you listen to the lyrics, it, it kind of has this almost like Halloween ghostly uh, kind of feel. That's funny because I actually wrote down, like I didn't write down any lyrics or anything, but when he's, when he's singing the song, I said it was like a haunting, hauntingly beautiful song. That's exactly like, that's, what it is. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the whole idea because she's, it's not actually talking about ghosts, but it's talking about the whole idea that she's been haunted by her past, which is funny because, you know, the Red Wedding and all this stuff, and, you know, we're talking about John being a bastard. Like, these are all things that are very relatable, so it's interesting they chose this song. But it says, uh, High in the halls of the kings who are gone, Jenny would dance with her ghosts. The ones she had lost and the ones she had found And the ones who had loved her the most The ones who'd be gone for so very long She couldn't remember their names They spun her around on the old damp stones Spun away all the sorrow and pain And she never wanted to leave Never wanted to leave Never wanted to leave. Never wanted to leave. Never wanted to leave. Never wanted to leave. And this is very interesting because at this point, this is when you start almost feeling a sense of sorrow. Because mm -hmm. you're seeing Grey Worm, he's kissing the Sunday. Mm -hmm. You have, you know... Uh, Sansa is looking at Tyrion and then the one that tore me up most because what's about to happen the guy that gets on the stallion alone um, that we always laugh at the friend zone from Bed Bath and Beyond kind of rides off by himself and that's Sir Jorah Mormont dude it's it's funny that you said that because like what I say I, I, one of the things I have here and so that that's funny because that that song when I when you just read out the lyrics I was trying to think about it like talking about how her past haunts her but I didn't really catch that what I caught like never wanted to leave like it's almost like doesn't want to leave this earth and that's why I think they chose it for this one is because like mm -hmm. they, no one wants to leave this earth but like they know death is coming tomorrow yeah and so, I think that's a good point I think they kind of just chose like a cool song I don't think they really looked into it uh -huh. but that's kind of that's what it was really intended for but it really related to the moment got it um. But so like I, it was funny because I was talking about how everyone's having like their last like, like people are having their last moments together. Yes, like you said, Graham Christmas Masande, Jorah, you know he's on his horse alone. Uh, you know we see like all these people like in their last moments. But um, what I saw here too is that Danny goes to see John. Well, here's the video. Podrick sings to the group a hauntingly beautiful song while we see people having their last moments of peace before the end comes. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I wrote down, and if you look at it, that's I think, in my opinion, that's what was being portrayed. Mm -hmm. Now, Danny goes to see John in the Stark crypt, and I think this is pretty funny because he's standing in front of Lyanna Stark, his mother, and Danny asks who it is, and John tells her. He tells Danny everything, right? right. So, straight up, he, he confesses exactly who he is, his true name, and, dude, the crazy thing is, this is how this is how we kind of know Danny's not necessarily a great person, 
she doesn't she doesn't ask like how John is doing with that information or like you know hold him and like tell him everything's gonna be okay or is like hey we'll figure this out later she immediately says that means you may you have a case to the Iron Throne you have a claim to the throne like that's the first thing that pops into his head is like oh my throne is threatened like what an asshole like dude mm-hmm. this guy lived his whole life in a lie like literally his entire life he was looked down on for being a bastard he had the most honorable man in the Westeros Ned Stark lied to him his entire life about who he was and it's funny because remember and like this is a full circle moment too mm-hmm. when uh, Ned Stark like and them separated you know he told John hey when you uh, when we see each other again I'll tell you about your mother and John never got that closure because we don't know. Maybe Ned Stark would have tell, told John the truth. Maybe John, like, maybe Ned Stark would have said, "Like now that you're part of the Night's Watch and you're up here, like no one can touch you. I can tell you about your true mother now." So we don't know if that would have happened. But now my whole thing here is like, dude, the first thing out of Danny's mouth isn't like, "Oh my gosh, like how are you dealing with this information?" Or like, "I can't believe like you know you lived your whole life a lie." Like, "Hey, we're all about to die tomorrow. Let's figure this out later." Like, "I'm so sorry. Like, let me hold you." Her first reaction said, that would mean you have a claim to the Iron Throne. Right. What a it's bitch. It's all about her. What a it's, bitch. It's all about, I mean, it goes back to what Dario said. You know, I'm a big Dario fan, so I always relate to this. You're a conqueror. She's not been into politics, and she Dude, never has. It's not even about politics. It's about being a genuine good human. Yeah. Can like, we play that song real quick on the Jenny, YouTube before Jenny, we yeah, close sure, out? man. Just so they can see. Well, one thing I did want to mention too, because like while we're still here with Danny and talking about everything, I wanted to talk about Catelyn Stark. Yeah, because that's bro, important. This is it's such bullshit. The way Catelyn treated John this entire time, John she treated John like he was not a Trash. part of the family. Like Trash. he shouldn't, he should not have existed. Like he should have been thrown out of Winterfell. Like you remember, like she even told the story when she was talking to Talissa Stark about like when they were with Rob and how she was making mm-hmm. that thing for her children. Right. And she was just saying that like, you know, I wished him dead, and then the, he got the pox, and I said, hey, I, I prayed to the gods, and hey, if you guys can let this boy survive, I'll love him like my own. I'll even beg Ned to give him the Stark name, and the gods ended up holding up their end of the bargain, and I couldn't uphold mine. So like, bro, like, she, and he even said like, she's like, all this is happening because I couldn't love a motherless child. So did you show? She was obviously torn up about that, but she could never find her way to love John because it was like, he was a bastard. But the problem was he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's on Ned Stark for never telling Catelyn about it. But listen, if you're a husband and you're a wife and you're an honorable man, you should probably tell your wife everything, even if it puts someone else in yeah. danger. Because like, there's no reason he should have been treated like trash his entire life. Like when there's no reason for it. Like yeah. you know. So I just thought I always wanted I wanted to bring that up. Like this man, it's it's this is the full circle irony moment. Think about Joffrey. Think about John. Joffrey was a bastard who was who was made king. Like he like he was a bastard with no claim, and he was a king. Like he was treated like gold from the moment he was born. But he was a bastard from incest. Mm-hmm. John, the true heir of the Iron Throne, is what is actually a king, but he grew up as a bastard. What right. kind of symmetry is that? You know what I mean? How crazy is that? Joffrey, with no claim to the throne, is a bastard who lived his life as a king. John is a king who lived his life as a bastard. That's fucking yep. crazy. Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, it. It goes to show, uh, in your whole point, Danny's not negotiating <laughs> at all. Yeah. No. And I do want to say this real quick, just because this will make that song relatable. So, fought in a tournament, Duncan, that married Jenny of Oldstone, 
fought Barristan Selmy <laughs> that died in season five, and he fought him in a tournament, and they were actually close friends. Mm-hmm. So that that's just funny because you always want to feel something that's relatable. So that just goes to show that was actually a, um, Duncan that the song in the end was written about his wife reminiscing on the memories that were so bad, which is relatable here because you have these relationships breaking apart as they're all about to die. Um, was best friends with Barristan Selmy that fought him in a tournament, which died in season five, which we always still talk about Barristan. Yeah, Barristan the Bold. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so this is the actual quote that she said too. So Danny is in shock and disbelief, and this is her words. If that were true, that would make you the last male heir to House Targaryen. You'd have a claim to the Iron Throne. That was the last quote that she had. So before we... Um, I have one more line here that I was going to say, but I'll, I'll play the song first, and then we can also take a look to see what Sam actually had said mm-hmm. in that war room. Um, let's take a look here. Let's play the song first. And, uh, guys, we know this was a long one, but Season 8 has a lot of detail, and um, we want to make sure we bring you guys the content you guys deserve. Uh, so we're going to hear this one, uh, and then we'll kind of yep. wrap it up here. All righty. We're going to go ahead and put this bad boy in. How about a song? One of you must know one. So, Davos? You'll pray for a quick death. Sir Brienne? of the kings who are gone Jenny would dance with her ghosts the ones she had lost and the ones she had found and the ones who had loved her the most the ones who'd been gone for so very long she couldn't remember the names They spun her around on the damp old stones Spun away all her sorrow and pain And she never wanted to leave 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 Yeah, beautiful. It's a good song. And that gets us ready for what's about to go down next episode for us. Absolutely. Literally what I have here, Horns Blast. The dead are here. The long night has come for Winterfell. Hell's about to break loose. Absolutely. Let's see if we can find that Sam, like when Sam talks and tells, you know, you know what we were talking about there? Yeah. Uh, let's see if we can find that because I think that's important. Uh, where uh, But, yeah, it's, uh, I think next episode is going to be very big. Um, you know next episode we're going to try to fit in all we can 
But this really is what I call the Deadpool coming up. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what the. Unfortunately, it's not how it's shown, but this is what this whole series has led up to: the fight between the living and the dead. So this is this is absolutely going to be one of the ones that you know we might only be able to tackle the long night in our next week's show. And I know, yeah, like I know we had a long one for you guys here, but that's because we want to bring you everything we can. But it, I mean, this is what we worked up for, even until since January. You know, we built up to this, and they built up to this. It took them what nine years to do this. Yeah. Well, yeah, so Cause to, a year 2011 and a half, right? to 2019, so yeah, eight years. Eight years. Uh, and then people always ask, like, wouldn't it have been a- badass to get a Daenerys White Walker? <laughs> Just throwing that out there. But, yeah, I'm pretty stoked for that. But we'll let Josh play this clip here, and then we'll close out here in a minute. Can't find it. Uh, is it Sam? Yeah, um, it's, it's Sam talking about... Um, you know, if if I were wanting to erase the history of man, uh, that's where I'd start. So that's what that was like they're saying there. Um, I guess it's not that important, but uh, either way, yeah, whatever. Well, we'll try to find it for you and we'll play it next episode. Or we'll... it might not even be that important. That's the only thing I wanted to put it on there is because like you were saying that there's a theory, and I'm like, well, that's not really a theory. It's exactly what he said. Wait, which theory was it? That like um, the Night King wanted to erase like. Uh, like, the, you know, memories. the memories of the memory. like the history and the memories um, but like, like of course it was like that's not even a theory like that's exactly what sam said <laughs> let me see <laughs> if i have that quote because i think i wrote it was this episode right yeah it was where he was talking two. about it was uh, the two. actual battle let me see because i'm pretty sure i have that quote here and then Let's we'll see. close out here let me find where it was I'm trying to look for it here on my end too. I'm sure I'll find it here in just a minute. Meanwhile, you guys, I'm sure y'all are having your uh, completely game. I guess I can say completely a few more times, so maybe y'all can get <laughs> trashed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you turn into last episode. I said completely a lot. Went back and re-listened to myself, so I decided every time I say completely, now it's actually going to be intentional. Oh goodness. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be great. I almost have a quote here. You know what's funny? We also missed a quote by Dolores said, because I'm looking at quotes for this season. I mean, remember when he like Ed made fun of Sam and he said, Samuel Tarley, a slayer of white walkers, lover of ladies, as if we need any more sign that the world's ending. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, because I have this one. He's not good at multitasking, so I'd be very surprised if he even heard what I just said. <laughs> no, a Slayer of White win- White Walkers and the Fist of First Men. I no, heard. it's not that I didn't say the Fist of First Men. Oh, uh, you said something. See, he <laughs> <laughs> can't he can't read and listen at the same time. That's why I know. I guess why I always stop when he reads because like anything I say, he's not going to know what I say anyway. Because that's the funny part. Yeah, I I really can't find it because the moment I should have wrote it down, it's actually between this quote where Sam says, "Everyone seems to forget that I was the first man to kill a White Walker. I've killed thins." And then Ed corrects him and says, "Then <laughs> I've saved Gilly uh, more than once. I stole a considerable amount of books from the Citadel Library. Survived the Fist of First Men. Boom! I found her. it. You found I it? found oh. the big dirty man. I stalled perfect time. Here that was go. pretty good. Samuel Tarley. Uh, well, okay. Here he goes. Jamie Lannister. If that's true, he'll never expose himself. Bran Stark. 
Yes, he will. He'll come for me. He's tried many times before with many three-eyed ravens. And Sam Tarley asks, why? What does he want? And Bran says, an endless night. He wants to erase this world, and I am its memory. And Sam replies, well, that's what death is, isn't it? Forgetting, being forgotten. If we forget where we've been and what we've done, we're not men anymore. We're just animals. Your memories don't come from books. Your stories aren't just stories. If I wanted to erase the world of men, I'd start with you. Yeah, and I think so that's, that's a good one to close yeah, out. That's and a, we'll look up the dragon thing because I know that was a case. Which one? Oh, the, oh, when if they Rhaegal, I don't remember that. Because but. if you go back and which, by the way, I think the Long Night was edited, which we'll talk about like. Well, we'll talk about next week. Next yeah, up, yeah. next week. But there's a part where Rhaegal actually approaches and perches right on that stone near Bran, and it's because the plan was to keep the dragons near Bran. See, I don't remember that. I, we're gonna have to watch it because I don't think we'll that's talk true. about it next week. Yeah, I think well, next so, week's yeah, a good time. We'll, we'll open that up. Hey, you know, remember that's that guy's a good one. Yeah, that's so a good one. We'll, mm-hmm. But either way, um, that will close us out for today. And as always, thanks to you guys for sticking with us. I think this is this has been this one is our longest one yet. Three hours and forty three minutes. <laughs> and yeah. we did just did that three and a yeah. half hour special. Well now you guys get a three hour forty five minute special too. But uh again guys, um, you know, keyword we're growing in numbers every single week. Uh, you know, every single time we put something out, it gets really well received. We never wanted to leave. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, one last thing I'll leave us with is just remember, we are on all platforms now. We we have that Twitter account that we talked about. We've got the LinkedIn. Um, you know, we update all these these pages, not daily, but <laughs> quite quite a bit. So you guys, you know, if you if you only have one form of social media, we're on it. So uh, yeah. uh, we're we're looking forward to uh, having you guys uh, join us and other friends as well. But uh, until next week, this has been season eight, the episodes one and two with the ridiculous crew, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy, signing, signing off. off.